Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where did you come from? My name is Jennifer Faye and I come from Chelsea. And Jennifer, we have someone else with us today. So who else do we have with us today? Rosie. Hi, Rosie. <laughs> and Rosie, come here, tell me this. How old are you? Five. Five. And do you know why I want to sit down before? I'm actually going to talk to you before I talk to your mammy, okay? Um, I wanted to sit down and talk to you because you were doing something really, really special. What were you doing? I run for Hannah. You run for Hannah. And who is Hannah? She's your friend. She's your best friend, is she? Yeah. And she's in a wheelchair. And what are you doing? Are you trying to raise money for her? Yeah. And what did you do? Road cycle and walk. What? At five? I couldn't even do that now. 5K every day. You're doing 5K every day? And you're not knackered after it? Yeah. Yeah? No. No, No, you're not tired. (laughs) I wish I could do some more. Ah, really? And did you raise a lot of money for her? Yeah. Are you saying yeah for me? We're doing lots of nodding at the head. (laughs) (laughs) And we probably should have this on camera rather than doing it so people can hear you. Because people need to hear you. And why do you want to do more for her? They do. I know. Why? They do. You want to help her? Yeah. And how old is Hannah? Five. Same age as you. And come here, tell me this. Did I see something that you were doing it? Do you do the run by yourself or who would you do your runs with? My baby or my daddy. The inner city running club. The inner city running club. Dwayne. Dwayne. And Carl. And Carl. And did they help you to run? Yeah. And tell me this, did you? Um, I seen something on Instagram that there was a big party. Yeah. And there was like some awards. Did you win an award? Yeah. What did you win? The glass. The glass trophy? And what did you win it for? Then I'll be running. Oh, you're so good. What did you win it for, Jennifer? Inspiration run out of the year. What? <laughs> Little you won that. Who do you want to be like? Tell me, tell me. Kelly. What? Kelly Harrington? Do you want to go all the way to the Olympics? Yeah. Do you? And you could. I well imagine in a few years' time, 10 I'll years' box time. your head off. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what Kelly did? Is that what you like about her? Because she's real strong. And she'd kill you. <laughs> What's it like doing to run? Good. 
And how does it make you feel? Good. Good. And come here, was everyone cheering you on when you were doing the run? And what was that like? Did you feel like Kelly Harrington where people were saying, go Rosie? Yeah. Yeah. Make you feel good? Yeah. <laughs> right, go on. You can go and play now. You're going to say goodbye to me. Yeah, bye. <laughs> go on. So we've just stopped there and had a cup of tea um, and let Rosie go out to play. So I'm now with Rosie's mom, Jennifer. Take me back to you and your life growing up in Sheriff Street. And what was that like? Oh, it was brilliant. I loved growing up in town. Loved it. Um, I'm the second oldest of 12. And we, me, me mom and dad bought me a little brother and sister. We lost a little brother and sister as, of, as I was growing up. But, so there's 10 of us now and we're all real close like a little closeness. We do arm for each other. The support from them is unbelievable and it's always been like that as you're growing up. Now we used to kill each other as well as babies, but mm-hmm. not anymore. We're so close. But my man and dad would have brought us up that way to always be there and support each other because we did go through hell growing up, you know, losing the two, the brother and sister. So that's all we would have known was to be there for each other. What age were you, did you lose your brother and sister? Um, I was six when my little sister died she was four and a half once we lived in the flat and her name is Lauren she was a gorgeous little child and then I was 14 when Aaron passed away Um, he had a hole in his heart but he was two two and a half and he went for surgery in England and he never came home so God yeah you're all right. Just take your time with it. God, that's. Do you want to talk about Erna? Oh, mm. Don't worry. You're all right. Oh, babe. Yeah, that's grand. That's grand. Um, and your obviously your poor man and dad went through yeah. all of that, and that's- man and dad went through an awful lot, awful lot, and that I'm two strongest people that I've ever met, and that's where we get our strength from. Mm-hmm. That's where I find I get my strength from, and they, like, they wouldn't never let us see the hurt that they went through. And that's what that's where we see the strength in them. You know, Christmas time and birthdays and stuff like that. Like you see it and it hurts them. But we're always there. All of us, all the brothers and sisters, we're always there to hold them up as well. But they never let us see them fall. Do you know, they never fall down in front of us. So agree. Isn't isn't it mad how they do that the people are grieving and they are obviously then just like um silently grieving. Yeah. Because they have to, because yeah. they have other. That's what my dad, my dad would say to us, they had no choice but to hold on just because this is the other children there too. Like, yeah. that need, need them. They're amazing to tell them. And where do you lie in the family? Like? I'm the second. So there's my sister, Kira, she's the eldest, mm. and then there's me. Oh, I forget about Kira. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forget about Kira, yeah. She's the quiet one. Yeah, I'm yeah. the wild. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Paul. Um, and then there was Lauren, Eric, Aaron. So Eric was in the middle of both of the kids, yeah. you know, and uh, he went through an awful lot as well. When he was growing up, like he had um, a surgery on his hips and stuff like that. So he went through an awful lot too. And then he did diabetes and he was sick as a, as a little a child. But we all pulled in, even though we were only little nippers running around. Mm-hmm. We were wiping his arse. He's been cast, too cast now. But... Um, and then the rest of them came along then. There was Noel, Casey, Ross, Taylor, Jake, Loads of us. So it was great. Like, it kept us all going. All I'd kids. say it'd be mad in your house, like, come oh, Christmas. Oh, man, it's a three-bedroom. We are all squashed together. Jeez. 
And then I had Jack then two years, Jake was two, and I ended up having Jack then. So it was great. We were all just together. Like, yeah. it was just amazing. And how many children have you got? I have two. I have Jack, he's 11, and Rosie, she's five. So growing up then, like, what was school like for you? What was that like for you? Um, I hated school. Mm. I, no, I was very, I was real quiet and shy growing up. Mm. And I think from what I went through as well, losing my sister and my brother, that affected me. And I was always real quiet and I never would have really mixed as much as the other kids. And I had a lot of friends, but I would have been really, really quiet in school, but in the house, I was mm. wild. But um, secondary school, hated Literally hated secondary school. I was bullied from fourth year right up to sixth year. I don't know how I even lasted in school. But I done it because that's what my mom wanted me to do. Like I used to go home lunch breaks. Um, I just fucking hated. Did you do your junior cert? You're leaving cert. Done my junior cert, yeah. And I was absolutely chuffed to um because I would have never listened. I wouldn't like I was set in the class, but I was never like zoned in. Or mm. it was just away with the fuck fairies. Like yeah. all the time, everything was going through my mind. I was worried about. Like, could have been more about my brother and sister at home. Like, they were always, I mean, they were all younger than me. So mm. I wouldn't really mammy them as well, you know. Mm. And um, I was just never one for learning. I didn't want to learn. I just wanted to be at home, helping my ma with the kids, you know. This, is that what I was about to ask you? Do you think that you were more concerned about your ma? Yeah, I always wanted to be at home. Mm. Like, my ma used to kick me out to the door for school every morning. And I just wanted to be there, staying at home with her. Mm. And no, I don't, I honestly truly don't know how. I even went back to fifth year. I don't know how I had, I don't know where I got the strength from to go back because I literally was going through hell and back on t- to that school every morning. And my friends were great. And like they paired me up all the time. But like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have let anyone see what I was going through. I held me, me ground and I took myself out that door every day. Well, with the boot, me mag and me. Mm. And I done it for them. I done it for my brothers and sisters to mm. let them see, I have to go out, I have to be strong. Now, my mom wouldn't have known I was getting bullied up till six year until I think I left school and then I told her. So did you not just want to give her another problem you didn't want to board yeah. her with it. but she would have been oh, at the school every day probably mm. kicking everyone around yeah. Yeah. like she mad like that she's very protective over us as well mm. now don't get me wrong she doesn't let us away with anything but if you said that about us that's the end of it she'll finish it and you just didn't want to tell her you just didn't no. want no I remember being suspended I actually fought back on in sixth year and I got suspended for it mm. after being bullied for all that time and I stood up and I fought back and I got suspended for it but and what would you do now if Rosie was gone through that with both of them I told both of them mm. that I was bullied growing up and Rose wouldn't understand yet because she's mm. at that age but I would have told Jack from when he was about seven See, Jack would have been picked on as well because he's very quiet. And I was trying to bait that out of him, but I couldn't. He's just that type of child. Mm. And I always teach them, never go out and hit somebody. But if someone hits you, you hit them back twice as hard. And it, like some people think it's wrong to tell your child to do that. But at this day and age, you have to, you have to teach them these things. But 
And then Jack, how, how was he, he in school? How was school for Jack him? Jack was, uh, I swear to God, I hope his teachers in St. Andrews Hills is listening to this because he was a model student from the day he went into that class until he he done, he made his communion in St. Andrews Hills. And he was unbelievable. He got overall student of the whole school when he was, he was, he was just so quiet. He is, and he's still like that today. Um, they absolutely loved him. And I do see the teachers now and they always ask about him. But even now he he went to a new school, he mm. moved on to a new school and like that, he's just an absolute star. And I hope now we'd be going into secondary school now um, next year. And I hope to God that he just keeps his head down against in and does what he's been doing from the age of four since he went into He's a clever, he's so clever. He's great. Like I, I just sit down and do the maths with him and I haven't got a clue. <laughs> <I do be laughs> like, he teaches me. Mm, they mm. teach me. Like, But now with Rosie now with the bullying as well, she's starting to, you know, kids can be, can be nasty. Yeah. Like kids can mm-hmm. be very nasty. Mm. And I try to teach her now. Like she says to me, she was out playing and some kids are a bit older than her like and stuff and, She's like, but they're saying this and they're saying that and this and that. And I was like, Rosie, just whatever you do, as the kids are going to be nasty. You mm. just don't be nasty to them. Mm. She's like, but why can I not be? I'm they're nasty to me. I said, because that makes you out then to be, look the bad parent, a bad child. Mm. But I said, whatever you do, just don't let anyone make a need out of you. Yeah. Do you know, we are down in a park and she made a friend in the park mm. as well. And she, um, the little one had her running around like, and I was watching it yeah. I said I hope she cops on because I always grab her and pick her up on it and say like you're letting these kids do this to you like, and she came over and she said man she's making a fucking idiot of me <laughs> and she said the words mm. that I had said to her yeah. and I said well what are you going to do about it and she said well, I'm not going to play with her now yeah. so I was like grant so I was delighted that she copped on yeah. do you know to it and I hope that they hold that because mm. I would have loved when I was growing up for my man to say, all your, these people out there are fucking idiots. Don't let anyone make a fool of it. But if I remember my nanny saying to me, you don't have a friend. You don't have friends. They're not your friends. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know what? She was right. You actually don't have a friend. The only friend you have is your partner and your kids. And that's it. And your family. And my family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. They're like my life. But not. Now I have friends. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I have good friends. Like mm-hmm. good ones that I can count on. But once that I thought was friends, weren't friends, mm-hmm. do you know? And your nanny could see through that. Yeah. Because it is, it's, it's the worst thing to see your child being used um, by another child until another yeah. friend comes along or your yeah. child being made a fool of. Yeah. It, you know Now with Rosie, um, now as well with Jack, Jack's very quiet. So I always said Jack would be a child that would be bullied. Mm. You know, so this is why I baited, baited it into them. Like if anyone, I'll, even if he's out on his bike around, I say, throw the bike at them and just come back, mm. come on to me. And he's like, can you give to me a bike? Like, you know, why would, should I do that? But now I see him, like he knows if anyone, he don't get in the wrong crowd, if anyone says that, she just come away from them mm. quickly, just get out of there. And with Rosie now, see, like Rosie wears glasses mm-hmm. and she has to shunt and she has our, our illness. So uh, there is going to be kids out there that's going to be nasty to her and they're going to slag her. And because this is what's going on out there in this mm-hmm. 
today. Kids, kids are cruel. Yeah. Kids yeah. are cruel. And I told her this, like I said, mm. kids will slag you. They'll slag your shunt, they'll slag your glasses. And he said, yeah, thanks very much. You'll be beautiful as well. Like every day, I, I, what I try and put into my kids is kindness. Mm. And that's, that's all I want from them is to be kind to other children. So Rosie went into school every day in crash. Mm. And I was called into the, the teacher pulled me up on it and she said, like, she's saying the most beautiful things to other kids. Like a child could walk in and say, Rosie, say, your dress is beautiful. Your hair is gorgeous. Or, do you know, and try and make someone feel better. Now, I know she's only five and these are things that you probably shouldn't be teaching kids, but, but that's what I'm going to do. And that's where I want my kids to be brought up. Mm. And like some kids mightn't say it back. Like she said to me, but they never say it back to me. I said, but that's okay. I said, but they probably think they're saying it in their, the back of their mind. Rosie looks nice today, but some kids won't say it to you. I said, and no, I mean, lockdown started as well. Um, do you know where you're only mm. staying within your two, your five mm. or your two kilometers. So I said to Rosie, we are always at walking mm. and she was always in the scooter. And you saw a lot of people on their own, you know, mm. elderly people out walking and stuff. So I said, do you know what we'll do? We say hello to everyone that passes us mm. on the road. So she did. And then this was going on for so long. And now the people, like you'd still see these people out on the road mm. and they know her by name or, do you know, and she'd say like, she, like it cheered them up, mm. even just that little hello and it made them smile, mm. do you know, and it's, she's had to making a lot of friends, elderly and young, like mm. throughout this, like she's a real confident little child. And that's, that's everything. Always nice to give somebody a compliment mm. all the time. Mm. Like Rosie says to me the other day, I just put my makeup on, but like why do every single day do I have to wear makeup? Mm. I'm like, I couldn't even answer. I was like, I couldn't tell a child to make me look nicer because I didn't know whether to say that or not. And I was like, um, I just like when she goes, but you're, you're pretty, you're without it. Mm. I was like, ah, oh, God, I wish I was. Mm, mm, mm. I would never. Little did you know about the filters and all that Like, I'm putting this into the kids mm. to say nice things. And like, we can't even say nice things. I couldn't say a nice thing about myself. Mm. Do you know? And I'm trying to put this into them. Mm. You know, but she'll never know that I can't say these things. Why can't you say those things about yourself? I just, I, I just don't have the confidence. I always would have... To be honest with you, I, I was always knocked back and I was always told I wasn't good enough from people when I was growing up. And they're not family, but horrible, nasty people out there. So I was told I wasn't good enough. You're ugly, you're this, you're that. Like, you're, I, so that stuck with me. Mm. And like before I met James, I went through an awful, awful time. Jesus. Um, I want you to say with who because and that person took everything out of me that I had literally everything like even when I got with James I, d- I didn't even I was, I was afraid to get to get with somebody else like I had no confidence whatsoever I just and like he would always say to me you look beautiful like and I'd be like shut up you know don't be telling me I look beautiful because I'm not like I was told I wasn't beautiful so that's what I just hold in me I was always told I was stupid you like, you're no good for nothing, you know? And I, that stayed with me. And it took me years. It actually took when I had Rosie. Like, after, when Rosie got her, when I found out about Rosie's illness, it was a while after that, that I saw the strength that I had, that I was strong enough then. To, and I wish I had that years ago, but I didn't. So it took me to have Rosie and to go through what she went through to see the strength that I had in me and that I was good enough to, to be her mother. 
And I know I am. I'm a good, I, that's one thing I say about myself. I'm a great mother. And I'd stand with my kids no matter what happens. Because when we put it out that we were sitting down together, the amount of messages, the amount of things that come yeah. in saying, can't wait for this, can't wait for yeah. this, can't wait for this. And sitting here talking to you, I understand why. Because like you're just trying to, you know, breed a, a kindness into your kids and, you know, and obviously a strength as well. Um, from the bullying to then that person doing that to you for years, absolutely that would have taken, like yeah. ripped you apart. Took everything, yeah. everything I had out of me. Like I, still to this day, I, I can't the trust, I can't trust people. And even, even my Rosie's and Jack's dad, like, and he understands, he understands where I'm coming from, but I find it very hard to trust anybody because that person took that away from me. Do you know, it was, it was tough, tough going. And did people, your family, did they see that was happening? Did they try to? Uh, they seen a lot of, they seen it and they tried to warn me about it and I wouldn't listen. Mm. I was like, that's what, and my master, we tried our best, but I was fighting against them. And say no, like this is, but well, even though I was being tortured, but that's all I knew. That's all I thought. I thought this was the norm of being mentally tortured by a person. And it took me five years to get out, get away from that. And how I, I, I felt like I was crawling away from it, literally crawling. And then I met James and he literally changed, changed my whole life. He was there, like he was kind. It was just completely different and I was like this is mad like is this way people like actually get treated do you know it was crazy and can I ask you like what kind of things were you being and was this like on a daily was this in a week this was on a daily basis were you living a with the person no no, no I wasn't mm-hmm. living with the person um, it was a daily basis um, like I, I just felt like I couldn't do right from wrong do you know with this person Um. Because you are always, like, I, I'm, I'm, do you know what? I have the kindest heart ever. I do and for anybody and anyone will tell you that. And I still had that. Even though I was going through that, I was still, I was still like, the kindness was still there. And I would have done anything, literally anything in my power for this person. And now I was still kicked to the ground constantly. Just being told I was worthless a worthless piece of shit and you know what I swear to God I hope he's listening to this now because he lost a fucking good person the best person ever mm-hmm. and I'd say he knows that and mm-hmm. I'd say everyone else knows it like we're going 14 years later and I still still mentally think about that like and I, I haven't spoke about it I spoke about it to one person um, last year a friend of mine that I met um, because I, I, I love to write I um, when I lost my little brother and sister, I wrote poems, and that was my way of getting that out. And I think if I didn't write the poems, I probably would have had a nervous breakdown because it was all coming out in the poems. And I met a man called Gary, and he, we are chatting about it. And I wrote a poem, and he knew. He said you went through pain from somebody, in, and because he read the poem, and I said it. I said like that was from a, a person in the past. Like 14 years ago. And I was still haunting from, from what he'd done to me. So it's... Just so many women in that situation. Yeah. And my aunt was only... She was she was killed um, in Ballybock. Carol, she was killed. And I swore to God that I would never, ever, ever go to aunt like that again. Like that could have been. 
It could have been. Was she killed by a partner? She was killed by a partner, yeah. And his, his kids. And he's walking the streets like there's no tomorrow. Not about her. Oh my God. Yeah. And I mean, she was the most beautiful lady that you would ever, ever meet. A heart of pure gold. And she did not deserve this. Which went through. But we'll get justice. We will. Has he been arrested? Has he ever been arrested? Ah, he was arrested, but, you know. God. He's just walking freely as they do. And it's horrible. And he lives in Cherishy. Lives on the roads. But he's now, if you cross my path, I tell you, I will literally take the man off his feet. Jesus Christ. It's horrible. And as you say, you, it's not, it's lucky, it's not lucky that you, you didn't end up in that situation. Yeah. And so many women do. We've seen yeah. the case last week with that poor girl. it's tough to get yeah. out of them. Like I never, ever thought I'd get away from. How did you get away from him? I crawled away, literally on my hands and knees and I crawled away from him. And who was your first protocol? Uh, do you know what? I never. My nanny, my mom, my ma's man, who I always went off to home with my granddad. Now, they, both of them had passed. My nanny passed when I was pregnant, Jack. And I was so close to her, really, really close, but I never told her. Like, I never even told my man and dad what he went through. So they'd be hearing most of it on, on through here. Like, they would have never known the mentally torture I went I'd say they seen it in me. And. Like they were always there, but they never would have dragged that out of me, you know, that kind of way. Mm-hmm. And, but I always suffered mentally in myself. I was always like very, very depressed. Do you think that it was because of the loss of your brother and sister, the bullying, that you just expected to be treated like that or thought that was the norm? I was always, there was always a sadness in me. Like always, like I would have cried at a young age in bed every night. Like, and that was just because of what I went through growing up. But I loved this person, you know, I loved, absolutely loved this person. And I think I just got used to being treated like that. And then it was just one day it clicked. And I said, I like, what am I doing? But I, like, I was always told I wasn't good enough for anyone else. No one else would have you. So this is what I thought. So I was like, why should I walk away from this one? No one else is going to take me. And then I said, oh, hey, I just got, and I went very bad on the drink. I started drinking heavily, like after. Um, and it was only smearing off ice, but it was like 15 <laughs> bottles a night, like yeah. to get me asleep. But like, I remember going, I always went to my nanny. I always stayed with my nanny and um, like I'd sit with her for hours at, at the kitchen table. But she always made the, the a go away, you know, just sitting there. We talk about, yeah, like she'd tell me stuff from when I was like years ago, mm. when we used to run around in your nip and mm. no odd stuff like this. Mm. And I'd love to listen to her. I would have listened to her and we going to have her hours because I just blocked all that sadness out of me and I would have just sat with them. But she was there. She, um, my nanny, I ended up getting, I got with you. Jack's dad and then I ended up falling pregnant and then my nanny suffered very bad with mental health so um, she passed away when I was seven months pregnant on Jack and I was absolutely devastated because she was so she was looking forward mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. but you could see her mentally she was mentally affected and she I, like she just knew she wouldn't have lasted out any longer 
and my granddad as well. So he was there. My granddad was great, but he was devastated, you know. Mm. I mean, I was trying to hold him up, but he idolized the grandkids. And like, she would have loved Rosie. Mm. She would have, because Rosie reminds me of Nanny a bit because, really? yeah, because she, it's just things that she, she said, I say, you are, my nanny come back in here, you know. Mm-hmm. She's real, just, my nanny is very strong. Both of my nannies were like, mm. I have my picture of my nanny, Marie, there in front of me. But both of my nannies, they, that, like the strength that they had and my ma as well. That's where I got all this from. That's where, how I'm still sitting here today, where I didn't think I would have been sitting here today. I shouldn't be sitting here today after the thoughts that went through my mind from when I was growing up. Did you want to take your life? Like I've, I've, I've there was times where I thought about it because I'm like, what am I even down here? Like, what what good am I to anybody, do you know? And there was times, and, you know, I thought about my family and then them and, like, imagine putting my mom and dad through that and stuff. And so I'm very lucky to be here now to be able to tell you the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to push you just a little bit more and then I'm going to move on. Um, the drinking. So... How again, because it's very easy to turn to drink. Paul's off the drink two years. Um, and he wasn't, he, he wasn't even big drinker. He's yeah. just, he was vodka Red Bull from yeah. start to finish. And he just was like, I need to get off this. Yeah. I need to get off it. Yeah. So like 15 bottles, look to you, your tiny little thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? 15 bottles or 10 Stay bottles made of ice. Now I would have drank throughout that, what, what I was going through. Yeah. I would have drank within like, I don't probably need to drink every night to be honest with you. Just to blank things out. But mm-hmm. then when that when it all went when I crawled away, I swear to God, the man in the off license on the the notch <laughs> they knew me by you knew what time I was coming in at mm-hmm. Like and I was only young, like and but no one I just sat on the canal and had the bottles. No one is a known. Like my man wouldn't have known that I was drinking or anything. <laughs> but I remember um this was just before I ended up leaving. So you were, you said that, that you, you'd be drink you just drink them and nobody would even know you'd had no drink them. No one would even know I was drinking. I was actually drinking that much that I wasn't even, then I ended up starting on, like going getting a nagging, about yeah. getting a bottle of club lemon and I just poured a couple of club lemon now, drink it and it was great. Like oh, I, yeah. I, I actually loved it. Yeah. Um, I was 19, oh 18, God. 19. Yeah. <laughs> And you tell me you were you'd go and have the nagging, and how long how long did that go for, go on for? That went on for two months straight. Like I'd be sitting with my nanny, and she'd think I'd be drinking cold lemon, like and I'd be drinking a nagging of vodka, and I'd be gone like in two minutes. I'd be going back up to get another one. But it was nothing like I was just but I blocked everything out, so I thought it was great. Like it was brilliant, and then two months that happened for, and I was still being mentally tortured. Still, through the phone, got new numbers, everything. My friends gave me my new number, you know, for the whole thing. That's why I wouldn't trust anyone. Um, so then I went down the North Strand after going to the office, yeah. me and Alana. And Alana was only a tiny little thing. And there we are walking down, that's going down to get eight bottles of smear on for like a 10 hour single bottle. Yeah. No one boosts the gold one, yeah. inventory. And I heard uh, music in the car, you know, on the North yeah. the five lamps. And here, here I am, all going on. Yeah. So this fella shouted out the window, he, I love, get your number. And I'm like, what? Morning, Lana, quick. 
So we all went down the north to the, knowing that he art and the car yeah. came back around after us. I was like, oh God, Lana, we're going to be dragging this, this car. <laughs> so there's five of them in the car. Yeah. Right. And I just said, get your number. And I didn't know which one it was. Yeah. I don't know what. And Elan shouted me number out. Like, out. I said, she's like, gentlemen, I don't know how I knew your number. She shouted me number out and I was like, I'm going to kill you. I'm literally going to kill you. So a few minutes later, I got a text like, what's the story? And I was like, no, I'm not interested. No, Jesus Christ, there's no way. When it's going through bleeding hell and back and you want me to go with you. Yeah. So that went on for two weeks. And it was James, like, but he told me his name was David. Fair play to me, he was being yeah. wary, like, yeah, yeah. if this thing bumped down. Yeah, like. yeah. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not interested. No way. And... Uh, there was one day I was walking out to my nanny's and I was bored. I was like, what am I going to do? And I said, oh, here, do you know what? I'll text him and see if he's doing that. Yeah. So we came down, picked me up at the corner. Couldn't let my nanny see out. She would be like a plant pot on that yeah. window. <laughs> and uh, we went on a drive and it was like I knew him all my life. Swear to God. And the minute I stepped in, got into the car, he was like, right, I have to tell the shipping names on David, James, so fair play to him. I was like, what? What the fuck? I can't trust anyone in these yeah, yeah, yeah. But we went on a drive for about an hour. And I swear to God, it just changed my whole life. Like it, the happiness that he brought into my life at that time, it was just unbelievable. But there was still the pain was still there. But he was taking that away from me. It was unreal. And every single night, Every single night after that, like there wasn't a break. Like there was never mm. a night where we didn't go on a drive. And we loved that. And I remember telling me, Ma, um, oh, James's car actually got smashed up the whole shebang. Like everything got smashed and over me, obviously moving on and yeah. stuff. So, um, man, that was great. Like they were real supportive. And but I remember telling me, Ma, I was so nervous, like the age of me. And here I am. She was standing at the kitchen washing the dishes and this may stink. And she obviously knew. Yeah. I was getting dressed at seven o'clock at night. Don't don't have to the hills. Yeah. Soaking my perfume. And I was like, Ma, um, I have no fella. And she was like, and she turned around. I thought she was going to say, Ah, no, 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 please. Mm. <laughs> no. Um, and she said, Are you happy? And I said, Yeah, I am. Do you know? And I think she knew. She probably knew, had seen it in me that everything was changing. I was like, I've my life skipping out to the door I was. Because he was like, you tell your man. Like, and I'm like, you tell your man <laughs> And come so, here, during that then, where does the drink go? Did you I just stop, stop drinking? You just stopped? I just, I stopped drinking. He brought me, now I don't get around for the first few weeks, I wouldn't eat. He was eating chippers and chips and everything in front of me. And I was like, oh my <laughs> God. I was holding in my farts and all. I was that bad. I was scared. Yeah. I wouldn't. And I'd go home every night. And I mean, I was left with the hunger. Oh my God. Uh, so I, I never drank. I, I just stopped drinking. I think. And then I ended up getting pregnant on, on Jack like two months later after meeting him. And sure. So I didn't drink. Never thought I'd drink around throughout the whole Pregnancy. Isn't it mad how a person can just come yeah. into your life and change and flick a switch yeah. and it's gone? It was meant to be, even me nanny, you know, me nanny idolized James and he only got a couple of months where I like, and she, she said, Jennifer, she said, God sent him. That's all you say, God sent him. And I remember finding out when I was pregnant, I said, Ma's going to split me open to mm-hmm. one, some only with him, like, and every single person said it was meant to be like this is crazy this was meant to be for you but I was terrified I didn't know what to like I had loads of brothers and sisters but yeah I was terrified to look at a new mom my own like mm. but it was the best 
I was delighted. Thank God. Only for Alana. And I say to her all the time, thank God she knew my number. Now James is saying now, I should have turned the car around. <laughs> <laughs> and how come he came all the way out into town? He was going out to the beach, like with all his pals, like rapping it in the car with the music on. Oh my God. I reckon it. I said, like, I just at that time, like, on the North Strand, like, and I wouldn't mind he, where he lives, right? My two uncles, Scott loved him. They're like me, me I treat him as me, me, me babies. Like, mm. now one of them is 40, the other one's 50. And they were in there at Clover Hill. So I was the only one that visited. So I walked through his estate twice a week for years. And he's like, well, I was like, where'd you live? And he's like, just like Clover Hill. I was like, what? It's funny out there, <laughs> like out, I never see it. And to meet him on the North Strand, like, and this was the off, off license was about to shut, so it was about half nine, like, so it was late, it was dark. <laughs> Isn't it mad that you just, it just showed that the drink was just, I don't know, because I didn't, like, I needed, it was some, I needed a help at that time. Mm. I needed somebody to come in at that time to save me, and he did. Like he came in and he wouldn't even realise how much of an impact he has on me. I mean, like, it's amazing. And then tell me then, you have Jack. Everything's good? Everything was, it was tough. Like, we, see, I had only got to meet James. Mm. And then, like, his ma had never met me. Right. So she was finding, like, I I found, the first time we met the mother, James actually told his ma that I was pregnant. <gasps> so I had never met her. So I didn't know what to do or what to say or we have to say. Now, they were really supportive as well with us. Mm. Um, it was a shock to them, like, do you know? It'd be a shock to anyone, though. Here's yeah. my girlfriend, she's pregnant. Do you know what I mean? It'd be a shock to anyone, you know? Yeah, like, mm. now I remember lying on the bed in my ma's, my ma's house and I was like, it's my man that was downstairs and I was terrified to even say it. So my mom was in the toilet. I said, Ma, come here. <laughs> I was like, Ma, I'm pregnant. She said, yeah, I knew you were. I was like, what? She said, I know, I knew you were. <laughs> I was like, how did you know? Like, yeah. But you know what? I swear to God, my sister had said to me, Jen, we were going to a sunbed. Yeah. And this was just before, like I had told my mom. And she said, Jen, right, I think you're pregnant. I was like, you have a give it all? I'm not pregnant. And there I am. She's like, don't do this on my place. So I didn't do it. Yeah. So we went and got a pregnancy test. And I said, if I do one, will you do one? <laughs> and we did. The deal yeah. was only my nanny's toilet. Doing oh. the test. And, mine came, and I said, bet you're going to come back that you're pregnant my mom. Well, I was gobsmacked. I don't know about eight after that, just to be sure. sure. But I said, how did you know? And she said, yeah, I'm very cranky. <laughs> I said, have I never like realised any change or nothing? Like, and come here, was that the first grandchild? Was that the first grandchild? That's the first grandchild, yeah. <gasps> On both sides. Yeah. Yeah, so you were chopped. And who's he like? He's the image of my brothers. Is he? The image. Rosie is the image of her dad. She's nothing of me and and he is, he's air eyes, he's the image, one of my brother's Ross. It's like looking at him. So he was in the house, he's in your house with you, uh, in your mass. Yeah. So what was that like to do with a new baby in the house? Uh, it must be very exciting for your mum. My mum, see, she was great with kids. She just, it was nothing to her, but we, like, I remember bringing them home and my dad and James went to the pub. Like mm-hmm. as they do, this is the master, this is the norm. So she was mm-hmm. like, just watch, he doesn't matter that baby. And I remember sitting looking at him, he was, t- he was only a little, he was only six pounds, he was tiny. And I was, how am I going to read? Like, how, what in the name of God do I do with this little thing over there? 
But I was terrified. Like I slept with the light on, couldn't sleep for weeks because I was just so afraid of... See, my sister died of cut it as Fine. well. And this is what frightened the living daylights out of me. Even with my brothers and sisters, I always used to wish for them just to get past that four months. I was like, please God, just get them past that. And then once we were past that, I was really at ease then mm-hmm. because I was, she died at four months and that's why it just frightened me. And I used to sit and I used to look at him, I know, like just jump up every night and make sure he was breathing and stuff. But I don't know, 11 years later and I still go. Because as a new mother, it is that, you know, you're kind of just constantly checking. And then if you fall asleep, you jump up yeah. out your sleep, go home long, if I've been asleep, yeah. I'm checking the baby. Yeah. But for you to have what happened with your sister. Yeah, it was scary. It, scary. it must have been a really now, when it, With Jack as well, like so when I was pregnant on Jack, um, I suffered with a bit of depression. I didn't know what was happening to me. I was at the waking up one morning and I was like, like, I'm, I'm a horrible, I'm a horrible person and, James was like looking at me and saying, what is going on here? I was like, you don't even love me. Like, why are you with me? And stuff like that. So I was seeing a doctor and I was paying private as well. To, so I went around to the, he said, well, I'll book you in. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, God love him. He ain't got a clue. Like, neither did I. I don't know what was happening. And that was probably the worst I had felt. Like, I would have been down. But at that time, I literally hated myself. Hey, I didn't want to be here like even though I was pregnant and so James said come on book it into the doctor and we went in and like even in the car I was like I was crying and all I was I was like like you're not coming in with me you don't even like me you know I was saying mad shit and we got in there and he's like right you're suffering with a bit of depression I was like yeah alright I've like suffered with depression all my life like I should know I was like no this doesn't feel right this I feel bad like so he gave me antidepressants. Oh, you were pregnant again? Well, I was pregnant. And I went to, I said, I'm not saying that to me. See, my nanny suffered with mental health as well. Mm. And I didn't want to put that on my ma either. So I just mm. took the tablet, took one. And I cried a solid, literally solid for like the whole day. I was like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I was hiding in the room and I was like, just, I'm going to bed, you know, hiding. So my ma found this, my ma's a router as well. You couldn't leave that. Mm. She couldn't hide nothing because she finds everything. And I had to on top of the wardrobe and she was like, who the fuck on some antidepressants? I was like, they're mine. And like the doctor, well, she literally ran through. And if she was giving out to me, you don't ever take your talk and you get out that way. She said, you're pregnant. Now she went around and ran a riot with the doctor. Because he shouldn't have gave. Should I wouldn't have? I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah, of course. You weren't allowed to take this or do yeah. that. Did you take another tablet or? I didn't take, no. She threw them in the bin. She mm-hmm. said, you are not taking them. And you know what? I sat with them then and I, like, they were like, well, what is wrong with you? And I told them. And I felt much better than myself. Mm-hmm. Or just letting out. I was like, he hates me. And she was like, no, he doesn't. I was like, no, he does. He hates me. You hate me. I'm like, I just felt worthless again. <clears throat> And I don't know, I came around then, but I hated being pregnant on Jack. Did you? Yeah, I didn't, I wouldn't come outside the door. Like I stayed in for most of it and it was summer. Like I was pregnant throughout the whole summer on Jack. He was born in October and I just hated it. Why do you think that was? I don't know. I just, I felt rotten, you know, in myself. And then when I had him, I, I remember going into labour See, my man never told me about, like, the pain. No one told me about pain. Mm. They just said, like, it's great, the experience. Mm. But my ma said to me, do not take that epidural or whatever you do. And it slows you down. 
She never took it on the 12 and I'm like, oh my God. So I didn't take it. And I mean, he got bit, eh, bit and slaughtered. <laughs> like it was crazy. Mm. But I have to say, the, 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 it flew, like I went in at like half eight or something, nine o'clock at night and he was born at 10 past two. Mm. So, but the, I was unbearable. But the, when they put them, poor mommy, I literally got him and threw him. I didn't want this. I was so scared of the, the child. Mm. And I remember James's mom would come to see me and she'd still say to this day, I looked dreadful, dreadful. And I remember, I, even when I look back to pictures, I was awful looking. I just looked so depressed. I didn't look happy for having someone having a baby. But do you think that the fear of your, your sister and brother were, were in you throughout that pregnancy? So, do you know what I mean? Like when I, I remember having Jack and I, like the... And, I wouldn't have known what my mom and dad went through, that pain. Mm. Now, I felt the pain as a sister mm. to lose a brother. But to lose a child, I never did. And I remember when I, like when I had him as well. And that, that con that, like, now I don't get me wrong, I took him back off the nose a few months ago. I was like, oh God, it's a child. And it, it just instantly, that worry is mm. there. The love. I was like, I never loved anything so much in my whole life. I was like, James, I actually didn't love you. Like, cause mm. I never know what love is. Like, mm. And he's like, what? But, and that's what I said. How does my ma and dad go through that? Like lose that child. Like there was a child only there last week that lost his life. And mm. I said to myself, like, I'd, I'd probably, I wouldn't be able, I'd, I'd go with my hair. Just, is this, why is this happening? Like, the poor kids. And that was, as I said, probably on your mind in the mm. back of it throughout your whole pregnancy that was on your mind. And then that's why in the moment with love comes away. Yeah. I never knew what Woody was until I actually laid eyes on, on him. And then, like I would have always been like, I just hear her about me, man. You know, she's bleeding out, always giving out, always moaning, worrying about what's going on. And then when I had, it, but you say when you have your own kids, Mm-hmm. I mean, my used to always say, when you see me have you around, you'll know all about it. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, if it's no true words, what she said. And even though you were a close family and you were really close to your mum, did it bring you closer? Did you have a better uh, understanding? Having my own kids did, yeah, it brought me much closer. Like we'd be, me and my mum would be like best friends and my dad as well. Like my dad is literally my whole life. I do, I, he's the softest like he's, he's real, my ma's real hardy, she can be. So I don't really worry about her as much. Mm. But my dad's real soft. Like he's literally, just hug him all day. And he's the kindest, most generous man that you'd ever come across. He's brilliant. Like he wants for nothing where he is. And he does, he's, uh, he's a hard worker. He's out constantly busting his bollocks to give the kids the best that he, could, that he can. And he's always been like that. But he'd make them... Like they have to earn earn this as well, mm, you know. Mm. Like you see, is like my brother is a brilliant footballer, and so is my sister and my other mm. brothers as well. Then I'm a little brother. He's a dancer. He's brilliant. And my dad sees all this. He sees the goodness. He sees like, and he pushes you to keep thriving and thriving. Like I remember when I started running, I was like, oh, no, I'm not running. Like you know, what looks that? Dad was like, but you love it, and you're great at running. Like only for my dad as well. He would be my biggest supporter. My dad would. He always wants to know. He's always wants to know how he got on. Like even before a run or anything, like very best to look and all. Like he always remembers. And them little few words mean so much. Like, mm. like he's so. Like you can see how proud he is of me and Rosie. And it's it's that, that's all I ever wanted was for them to be proud of me. 
And he, he even, when he sees Rosie, and then we look, idolize Jack as well. Jack's great with the football. And, mm. Like he sees the work I put in and I think that he, like, but they showed me this. They showed me how to do this, how to rear the kids. So I hope that they know that I got this from them. Do you know? Growing up, I always thought, like, my, my mad say I was the worst child for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, because I, like, now don't get me wrong, I would have been the cheeky one, you know, I'd answer our back and I'd have to get the last word in and stuff, but I never thought, never, growing up, I always, because I didn't feel good enough, I didn't think I... Now, maybe I did do them proud. I don't know. Now, they were always like happy and, you know, mm. we do, we love you and we're proud of you. But I never, I could be like, but proud of what? Like, you know, that's what I always got in me. But now when they say it, I'm like, well, I'm proud of myself as well. Mm. Because I actually went out there and put everything I had into that. Mm. And I don't know if I you us and mm. I don't know if I'm my kids, you know. But years ago, I would have never. I'd have been like, oh my God, like, what are you saying? That's me, don't be proud of me. I don't know. Like, you know, but I see you now and I, I, I know that they are. And then tell me about Rosie. Rosie was born and. Rosie came in, um, Jack was seven and me and James had been trying for three years and we, we miscarried the year before I was 14 weeks. So he only told me that on Father's wow. Day and it was like two days later then I ended up miscarrying. So we were What devastated. was that like to, because it's the uh, worst when you have, when you, t- is it worse? I don't know. No, I haven't it, told anyone, not many people even know about this, so people's going to be listening, but I never told, me family now, close family, mm-hmm. both sides of the families now. But you know, I never told anyone, even my aunts or aunt Nana, like, because I was always afraid to say it. Do you know, I was afraid to, because I never told anyone that I was pregnant. So I was like, but why should I tell them about that matter losing the baby I never told him that he was pregnant do you know I just didn't mm-hmm. I never got it out there you know and that I'll never forget that that literally tore me to sunder literally to sunder like it, it broke me really really bad like very bad I couldn't I just couldn't get I remember going into the hospital I had a, a little bleed and they were like right. it, was, it was like it was norm to them and I know it is but to me, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget the words. Like, I had a miscarriage, like, and, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's gone. Like, like, where's the baby? Like, you know? And, uh, and nothing flushed. So I had to get a DNC at, and I had to go on for a month. So this was all still inside for a whole month. And then I had to obviously get flushed out. And I was mental torture. Mental. And you know what? Even I hear, because I went through it, and if someone says it, like, my heart actually breaks for a person that says it. That, that goes through that because it's a horrible, a horrible experience to go through. You just said something that's like, I actually never even thought, I never thought of that. If you haven't told them you're pregnant, how can you tell them you've had a miscarriage? Yeah. And that must be the most difficult thing. Yeah. I tried to hold it and hide it, the pregnancy. See, what I was trying, like, when I found out I was pregnant, I, was, I said to James, right, we'll, we'll hold it. And because I believe in all this, if you tell people it's bad luck and, uh, you know, stuff. And this was all I, I, all I thought about was like, oh God, no, but tell someone something bad might happen. And like, I would have loved to tell my family, you know, tell me, because I'd be real close to all my aunties and Anna's mom and stuff. And I never did. I never told that. And then... I, I remember my sister and my, my mum and my sister and I when I lost the baby and they were like really close but then I was like right don't tell anyone that I, that I was pregnant or I lost the baby so they don't even know 
Like they wouldn't even know. And they would, they would have rallied around me and they would have held me up. But I just, I just felt terrible for not telling them, you know, and then putting this on them then. A shocker, do you know? And I said, no, I just couldn't. But like both of us, me and James, we were met, like tortured from, because we never experienced anything like that before. We were looking, and it was because so, it was, cause it was 14 weeks. Like we found it for many days. And then it was like, you fell in love already, like with this little thing. And like, I remember, I still have the little vest that I got from my dad and father's like, mm-hmm. baby, no, grandchild number two on and uh, he was delighted. But even like that, like I was like nearly 14 weeks telling me man that. Is he man to say, wow? <laughs> like, because I was afraid to tell them that I was even pregnant. Mm. And then I, do you know what killed me? Telling them and then having to tell them that I lost the baby. That killed me. Having to do that. Like this hype of a new little baby coming in and then I'm sorry that the baby's gone. Like, And I, I constantly blamed myself. Like, did I bend over too hard? Did I smoke too many smokes like what did I do wrong did I deserve to this from what I went through do you know you yeah, constantly on the back of your mind it's it's your fault and no one else's but mine that's all I thought but my family were really really supportive very supportive and then like I just wanted to be pregnant again mm-hmm. and I was getting obsessed and I kept doing pregnancy tests after pregnancy tests constantly my wardrobe was full of them like the money I was spending on this and it was mentally getting to me then. Like it was just an obsession. And I was like, right, it, I need to pull back. I kept reading up on it and I may, may booked in the rotundics. I thought then I couldn't have kids. And mm. and then we flew away to Manchester, maybe trying to Jack for a match. And it was a great weekend. It was just so relaxing. No worry, no this. Didn't even think about it once. And then a few weeks later. When I was mm-hmm. pregnant mm-hmm. and we were chuffed, literally, but with that fear and that worry as well, I didn't tell anyone until I got past that. Didn't tell my man and dad. And then I was actually four, four and a half months and my little stomach was starting mm. to come out, right? But no one noticed, like no one at all. Now his man knew because we were there in their house, like, and she was great, like looking after us and all. But I never told my man and dad because, you know, I was actually afraid to tell them again. Mm. I wanted to get past that stage. And I remember going into the house. Now I was like, this was five years ago. Like I'm 42. <laughs> and I was shaking. Literally, I was up and down. I don't know how they didn't cop on. The two of them was getting ready to go and do the shopping. And I said, right, if they don't, if I don't tell them now, I'm never going to tell them. And I was like, eh, eh, I'll have to tell you something. And he was like, he would have just looked at me, but you could see, I'll never forget looking at my dad's face, the smile. He knew what I was going to say before I even said it. And he was chuffed. But in the, see that worry then, it was over them. But I said, I'm past that stage. And he was like, you what? Then I lifted up my top, I was like, the bump was out and all. But I just didn't want to hurt them again to, to do that, to tell them that news again. Because you do, you think it's going to happen again. It's always on the back of your mind. Like, I'd be afraid to get pregnant now just so I don't have to go through that again. And especially what I went through with Rosie, I'd be terrified if something like that came back at me. Again, I wouldn't be able to handle it. You would. <laughs> you would. Tell me about Rosie. So Rosie came along. Um, we never found out what we were having. Really? So everything was cream. Fram was cream. Everything mm. was just cream. And I wanted to keep it. But I was convinced I was having a boy. I was so neat. Do you know the boys mm. that were so neat and... 
was like lovely two little boys because I was like oh Jack is Jack was literally just the best and I was like right another one of him be perfect mm. right and so Rosie decided to come in a week early and like with my brother's 24th in the Laguna oh and I was like I, my water just broke Jack was gone to Wexford with his auntie for the weekend here's me and James go around two weekends but it was the next morning my water just broke I said oh my but my water was never broken and Jack said so you know what was happening I was like what's the pissing in the bed <laughs> <laughs> he was slipping and sliding all over the place <laughs> so I rang the hospital and he was like we're not in straight away and but wasn't I after having a shower I thought would never blow dry my hair so I was up in a bone Calls and, and I needed to, I was waiting for till I was going to labour to get my eyebrows waxed oh. so I was like I'm not going in there's no way I'm not so I went in and they said um, no we'll induce it in the morning mm. and I said but can I go home like I have to get my eyebrows waxed there's no way I'm going to sleep over there my eyebrows waxed and they're like no because of case of an infection so I was like grand so I'm looking at James we had the bags ready and stuff mm. so I said go home and get the bags like so they brought me up onto a ward and do you ever just know by the child that's very rude coming to you it's just going to cause you a lot of trouble do you ever just get yeah. I, I had that feeling yeah, I was like yeah. this child is causing me trouble already. <laughs> it's not even here yeah. so I'm lying up to it and they gave me dinner with a bit of broccoli and a bit of fucking thing it was gorgeous right? yeah. and I'm lying in the bed with my stomach I said oh my god I think I'm about to get a reaction to that I was rolling the bed because I knew I said I'm not in labour because yeah. I'm not going to tomorrow and like they're looking at me and they brought the machines over and there was nothing coming up on the machines that I was, that there was contractions. Yeah. So I remember looking and seeing James and his sister out on the corridor and I'm rolling the bed now the sweats and everything. Oh, I'm going to kill us all. Mm. And they were like, no, she's not in labour. So they were just wandering up and down to get me the bit of the gas. They were like, just suck on that. Like, you didn't know what was going on. They yeah. can't be gas. So I said to his sister, I need to go to hide I was at the stop and I was at the pain stop. Mm. She's like, come on, I've been in the highlight. So I'm sitting on the highlight and the pain. Like, I, I bit the whole shoulder and all that for right? And she was like, no, it's just something. She's in labour, like. And they checked me and I was like, seven centimetres. <gasps> I was like, what the fuck? So they rushed me straight into the labour ward. And we ma like that again. If you take that epidural, I'll kill you, right? Mm. So I said, James, will you ring out and ask the kind of Please, I couldn't stick the pain. <laughs> James, I beg you. So she's in the lagoon and having a ball. Now, no, no one knew. I didn't even tell anyone I was going to leave because I hate that one. Everyone's ringing yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. there, yeah, mm. So we rang her and he said, Debbie, she's in labor. Like, can she take the one? I'm telling her, I'll never speak to her again if she takes that. <laughs> I couldn't. I, this pain was worse than what I had on Jack. Yeah. I said, I can't, James. Mm-hmm. I said, Give me. I said, He said, This is our last chance. You're taking out or you'll never be able mm. to get. He says, now you're going to be days and days. My mum said, if you take that. So he gave it to me and I'm telling it. I'd tell any mother, woman that's going into labour, take it. The yeah. minute he offers it. Mm. Because it was the best thing in the world. I've seen it on Facebook and they're telling me I had to push. I said, what? I can't feel it. Isn't it gas that even what hold your, in your 20s and you're yeah. ringing your mum to see if you can She was in the height of it. She was fuming. So we were having that and we're obviously trying to push her out. Mm-hmm. And she was like, do you know what you're having? I was like, no, like it's a surprise. So she came out, right? But James is leaning over my head. I don't know what he was doing, yeah. but he was just crying. like. Yeah. And I said, oh my God, I don't know why. And she was like, yes, I don't know why. And I remember the midwife, she was at the bottom and she just looked. She's like, no, it's a girl. Well, the two of us were like, 
it was the best feeling that I ever got like to, ha- to know I had a son and a daughter mm-hmm. I was like what mm-hmm. and like I always would have loved the girl but I didn't because I was convinced I was having another boy mm-hmm. and uh I said, right, trouble. That's this trouble. And so we held her and then they whipped her off me. I was like, what's wrong with this? They said she was too cold or something. Mm. And I was, no, that upset. I couldn't move my legs. Mm. And I said, why don't I have a jewel? I can't even go after her. I was sending him out to watch the girl. Yeah. I was like, run after the child. So they brought her back. But the midwife like that we had, I'll never forget her. She was literally hugging her. Rosie, like as if she was our own, you know, yeah. that kind of way. But here I was, why is she doing that to her? Like, does she know something? Like, that was, I mean, that's You're, what the thought I yeah. got. Mm. I was like, does she, like, think, some, is there something wrong with the child? Like, mm. But the way she was, it was like it was whole baby. And I'm looking like saying, that's my fucking baby. Like, yeah. give me her over yeah. here. I want to hug yourself. Yeah. So we were in the hospital. We said in the hospital for, um, we actually had to stay an extra night because of Rosie. She was too cold. Mm. And... So I had the window, we were beside the window, I had the window swinging out. I said, I wonder if I'd freeze. <laughs> you just don't think. Yeah, I'd be sweating. So they checked her over and everything was grand and stuff. And they were like, right, you can go home. But I got an awful, like, I remember sitting on the bed and an awful darkness over me saying, do I want to go home? Do I want to bring this baby home? Like, it's a horrible feeling. And then, like, I actually started to cry, but I was holding it in, you know, so no one had seen mm. me. And then this woman came around and she was like, now, if you feel like any sadness or things like that, and I, and I just said to her, I said, Anna, I went grant because, and I should have, I should have, like, I was literally just wanted to divorce. Mm. I was so afraid of going home again, even though I had a child at home. Mm. And so we brought her home then and it was great. Like, we literally idolized so her. And she was a great baby. All she done was slept. I mean, like, this is amazing. Like, mm. how are we blessed with this? So... Rosie was then, she was four and a half months, four months she was. But she wasn't, she never cried. And she never, like I just, see Jack was seven, so seven years before I had, yeah. like, and I was like, I forgot mm, everything. Yeah, you do. And I was like, this is normal. Mm. She's not, she's sleeping all day and all mm. night. Like she'd drink the bottle and like she'd not, sometimes she wouldn't even drink the bottle. And I was like, I just grand and whatever. So we were in my mass and it was the end of November. And I started to wean her and there was just no, like she wasn't eating, like mm. she was, there was no, like it was like she just didn't want it, do you know? But as well, what are like, she was a real, um, I used to call her a lazy baby. Yeah. So lazy. You know, she's just slopping the lines there all the time. Mm. She never lifted her arms up or tried to even mm. lift her arms and stuff, but I never caught on of it. Like I was like, this is just normal. So, she ended up getting sick and I was like, it was all like green and stuff. And I was like, oh, it must be because I started weaning her. Mm. But she was like floppy and she went pale, grey. Like, I said, what the fuck was wrong? So we flew to Crumlin Hospital with her. Mm. And Jack had never been in a hospital, never had an overnight stay in a hospital. So I didn't know what. I didn't even know what to say. Like when I went mm. to the A&E, I was like, what the fuck? Like, and I just said like, she's sick and whatever. So they brought us in, they had us in a room. I was actually late then. It was about like half eight, nine. And I was like, I'll go home. But I had nothing. Like we weren't expecting them to mm. be like, no, we'll keep her in. Like she kept getting sick all the time. Looks vomiting. And I was like, why is she? I said, she must have a bug or whatever. So I had no sleep. I never, ever had a night like that. See, I never even knew what sleep de- 
Yeah, Dr. Brian, it was yeah. until that next morning. I remember James's mom comes to me with a roll, and it was like when she was talking to me, it was, I could see our lips moving, but I couldn't mm. hear nothing. Mm. It was it was weird. So the nurses came, the nurse, a doctor came in, and they were measuring Rosie's head. And I was like, why are you still measuring her head? Like, and they were like, do you, like, do you, just, did you see our head is very big? Or, and I was like, no, I put it has a big head as well. Do you know what I was joking about? Yeah. It? And they're like, oh, we'll just bring her for a scan. And I have to say, they, the way they spoke to me, I would have never thought. And mm. I was like, oh, grand, yeah. Like, I don't mind if she has to get a scan and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So we were still there all that day. Like, it was the evening then, still no sleep. Like, I didn't know what was going on. And James was in and out of the hospital, like, with us. So we took her for the scan. And I remember, yeah, like, they, 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 we had her lying down on the bed. And I never went to one like that, you know, with Jack around. Mm-hmm. So... I was getting a little bit upset and I was like, the poor child, like, do you know what I mean? Has to just slice in. It's only a baby, like, and the other one was there. She was there for ages. It felt like ages. She was scanning our, our head. So she was like, that's grand. That's fine. Like, but you ever get, when someone looks at you with pee, do you know, I, I got that, I got, I got that awful, like, she was, like, when we walked in, she was like, yeah, yeah, just part up there, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden she was, Ah, uh, yeah, like she was so nice to me. Mm. And I was like, she feels sorry for me, do you know, like she feels sorry because I'm in the hospital or mm. like, but I never thought of anything being wrong with Rosie's head. Like, now Rosie's head was big, but I would have never, because she was my child, I looked at her every day. Mm. I never thought there was anything yeah. wrong. So, um, they brought us up onto a ward. And I, I was like, a ward? What are we going to the ward for? Because she was still getting sick. They were like, no, she's still getting sick and so, so we're going to keep it in. And I just, cut. I remember saying to, we were brought up in Cumberland Hospitals, what was the name of the ward? Oh, the girls were beautiful up there. But I remember just saying to one of them, I like fell against the wall. It was like half nine. So this was going on two days. Like, mm. I was like, I literally, I, I said, I just feel weird. I said, I haven't like had any sleep. I wasn't eating. And the girl, her name is Amy, the nurse. Mm. And she was beautiful. And she said, right, listen, get into there was like a pull out thing bed and stuff mm. and she was like lying that I was like me go sleep that's what with the child like. mm. she's like no we'll keep an eye on that and I think I slept for like an hour and it was the best sleep mm. I ever had mm. so we are there still um, that was on the Wednesday so I remember it was the Thursday it was the 4th of December then the mm. Thursday and James was like I'll come up to you and I was like no it's grand like she mm. started perking up a bit he was like, no, I'll come up to you. And I was like, no, Jack had this thing and he played for Sheriff. Right. And I was like, don't let the child miss it. There's too much. The child didn't even know where we were. Yeah. So he, he was, I'd say he was like, where's my man? Like, mm. I'm, I'm my sister. Like, so, um, and, uh, so she perked up and stuff. So it was about four o'clock and I said, I'd say we'd be going home today. So I seen the nurse and two nurses and the doctor coming in, into the room. It was like the, the mafia coming through the door. Like, I just like, I think you're all coming in now. Tell me I'm going home. Lovely. Mm. Rosie's sitting on my lap and I goes, lovely Rosie, we're going home. Now talking to the mom and the baby. She's the only one I had to talk to my legs. <laughs> and they stood, I was sitting on a chair and they three of them stood in front of me. And the doctor said, do you want to hand the baby over to the nurse? And I was like, no, why would I hand the baby over? Are we going home? Like, and she's like, oh no, no, you will not be going home. She said, we, we found something in the scan and I was like what do you mean you found something now I was sitting there on my own with a baby on my lap mm. I said what do you mean you found something in the scan and you're like I'm sorry to tell you our daughter has hydrocephalus and 
it's a flu, massive fluid spilled upon the brain and it could kill her. So I got rosy and I threw her at the nurse with fright. I was screaming, I was crying. I was like, what? I went numb as well. And then I pulled Rosie back. I was holding on. I was like, you're not taking my baby out, mate. You're not taking her away. Like, so I was, I remember just sitting on the chair and I had Rosie in my arms. And I was holding her and holding her, but I was shaking and crying. And then I was like, is this actually real? Do you ever just get a shock? Mm. And yeah, like, it's like, it was like someone had died and that feeling, you know, that shock feeling. And like the three of them are standing. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. They're talking and I literally, I couldn't tell you what they said because I still can't remember to this day. And like the, the, the nurse tried to take her, I remember, to off me. And I was like, no, 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 she's fine. And they just walked out of the room. They walked out. So there was a girl next to me, Elaine, I hope she listens to this because she got me through that evening. Mm. And um, I was sitting there. Now Elaine, God love her, was in the whole room and I was sitting there and a whole hour passed. A whole hour of me still on that chair with Rosie on my lap. And I remember just cradling her, you know. Like I wasn't even crying around. I was just numb. I just didn't know what, I had my phone as well in my hand. And I was like, who am I going to, like, who do I ring? What do I say? Like, what is that word that they just told me? I couldn't even out to. And I didn't know. And then I was like, right, James is probably like going to ring me. I can't tell. Like, what do I say? Like, so, do you ever feel like, I felt like I've so much support, but I felt like I had nobody, mm-hmm. you know, in that time. And so James's sister, she's real strong. And I knew that she'd be able to hold herself up and she'd be able to get the word out. So like when I rang her, I was just like, how are you? 
No, I didn't mean that. I actually sent out a text message because I couldn't. I te- sent out a text message. I couldn't tell, couldn't say it. So she rang me and she's real calm like that. She said, okay, it's, it's, it's fine. Like, just tell me what they said. And I said, like, they said there's something wrong with her head. Like, I don't even know what they were talking about. So, she, um, Adele went to got a mom and stuff. And I said, like, James is in training. I said, like, what am I going to do? I wouldn't bring a person and tell them these things. Like, <laughs> so they flew up to the hospital. And Adele is great like that. Like, she got everything, out of all the stuff that she needed to get out of them doctors. She got and we Googled it. And she, well, I didn't. She told me to stay off Google. So, mm. She was great like that and um, she went to whole James and rang my family and stuff. So what was heartbreaking? Like I, like I remember them all coming up then, like everybody just came over at the cracks of the world. And I literally, I went downstairs for a smoke and I said to myself, like my child is dying. Like the child is going to die. Like I didn't want anyone to be there. I didn't want anyone around me because I didn't want to believe that this was happening, you know? And um, so they all obviously had to go. They had to leave, like, and I was there. Tisha there. Thanks. I was there on my own. So uh, I remember, like, just lying on the bed. There was a pull out thing and I kept looking at her. And I, we had, like, a bell, you know, to ring. And I rang the bell and the nurse came in. Oh, it's like I, everything just I was so frightened that if she shut her eyes that she was she wasn't going to wake up and I remember ringing the bell and I was like no she, she's, she's not opening her eyes properly and something like that and we're like no it's oh she's okay like she's fine like they had it on the, the machines mm. and stuff so they knew what was going on but I didn't sleep a wink all that night like I hadn't slept for, for weeks after actually and like people were ringing me and the priest like from Sheriff Street was like I said a prayer in the church and I was like why like why are you saying prayers like I don't want any of this like and like James was great he was real strong for me like and he's he's not he's the one, he, he's the one that breaks like and they kept running the, the neurosurgeon just the, the only people that can look after always is the neurosurgeon temperature mm-hmm. so what they had to do then was shift her over to temperature but he came and visited us in Crumlin to see her and I was so had everything wrote down you know questions mm-hmm. that I had to ask him I was so nervous well he walked into the room and I'll never forget and he goes I know she's got to be grand they were his words right and I went, me and James looked at each other and I was like, sorry? He was like, she's fine. Like, look, oh, she's she's great for him. The child was rigged up to wires, <laughs> the fucking thing. Into, like, crumbling hospital, for what they said to me, the doctor, she was shocked what even what he said about her being fine. And I was like, but what do you mean? Like, I I was real quiet and shy and I was never one to speak out mm. or ask questions. Like, I just went along with the person yeah. and said, okay, okay, that's fine. So he was like, right, uh, do you know what we'll do? We'll uh, like the fluid was building up and building up in her head. Mm. So that was damaging her brain as that was building up. So this was December. And he said, right, I'll give it till the 28th of January. We'll see how, how the fluid builds up to them, right? And I was like, so they let us home for Christmas. The child was lifeless, like over the whole of Christmas. Like the child was so sick. And 
But see with me as well, my only, the only thing that I regret was not speaking up for Rosie and not fighting with O'Connor when I should have been fighting at that time. Like, but the child was dying in front of my eyes, like, and I never, ever, I never spoke up, like. And I remember in January, it was the start of January and I marched in. I said, I can't, I have to, I have to be not in, like, I brought you away and he, and he came around to the, the door of surgery and he was like, uh, well, I don't feel that she's ready yet for surgery. We'll just wait and see. Like, why would you put your child through a brain surgery if you don't know? If she, I said, the child, like, her eyes were swollen because the fluid was building up that bad. So he said, um, right, we'll give it another few days then. Like, there was nothing left of her. There was literally, there was no feeding her. There was nothing. She was lifeless. She was, there was nothing. So I went in on the 16th of January where... And I said, please, I said, I'm begging. I literally cried to them. He's, he's, he's a, uh, like, for what he does, he's great. But he's the most ignorant man I've no ever met. manner. Yeah. Mm. Like, and he doesn't, like, t- he was so real to me. Like, and my heart was literally shattering into a million pieces. So it was my birthday then on the 17th. And they kept us in on the 16th. So she was booked in for surgery on the day of my birthday. And I was like, what a way to celebrate your birthday, Rosie. Thanks very much, like... <laughs> But um, I remember that morning, they like you have to like she was she was ready in a little gown. Now I have all the little gowns now, like, and she was ready. But she was only a little thing, like she didn't know what was going on, like, and um, because she was so small, someone had to go with her. And see, when she was in Crumlin Hospital, I went in for a MRI, and I couldn't. I swore I'd never do it again. They had to lift me out of the, the room. And I think it was the noise of the machines or something that just scared me. And so James said, right, I'll go with her. And I was like, oh God, will it be all right? And we had to go with her, like go down to the, the operating table while she was getting put to sleep. Um, he came back in, in an awful state. But I was grand. Mm. I was like, she's fine. She's going to be grand. Like, and like, he was like, no, Jenny, you didn't say it. Like, she was going to sleep and all, no, all this. And like, it was... When he, the operation she went for, it was either she's going to come out or she's not going to come out. But we didn't prepare ourselves for that. We said she's going to be fine. And that's what we were told by all family members. Like, she's going to be grand. Like, and so we kept that with us. And like, we were on a ward with kids that had that. That was at the Hammond days. Now, there was like six of them. But they were like seven and eight and, you know, a bit mm. older. And to now today, these are Rosie's good friends. Like, um, So she came back and they put her in my arms. They wheeled her back in the bed and they put her in my arms and they said it was great. It was successful. Like the soldier was and we were chuffed. But then when I lifted her up, I couldn't believe it. I was, I, I was like, oh my God. Rose was bald. Like the hair wasn't even grown because the pressure mm. of the, the hair wouldn't grow. She was pure bald. And I just lifted her. I could like feel the drip of the blood and stuff all over my arm, you know, and James was hysterical. God love him. Like every time I looked at him, I was like, she's fine. Just stop. And I remember I lifted her up and she was silly from here, right down from the top of her head to the bottom on, on one side. And then you could just see this thing sticking out, you know, but it was under the skin. Yeah. And then the tube was coming under the skin right down. And I just, I, I looked at her and I said, here, I can't, I can't. And the child was hysterical. I couldn't even lift her up. Like I just... I was like, what is that to happen here? Like, this is just crazy. So she was, she was in a lot of pain, an awful lot of pain. They kept giving her medicines and stuff that she needed. 
But the funny thing about what I couldn't believe when you have brain surgery, you're only staying for two days. You have to go home and stay at home like for weeks to recover because they need the beds. Like I was like two days, like the child is having major surgery, like and he's sending me home. Or, like I'm me and James got love hadn't got an iota what was going on. So um I remember when Jack up to collector, James came up with Jack. Now, poor Jack, he, he was a... I don't really want to say much about what Jack went through either because I don't think he'd want me to, but... Um, Jack suffered the most in all of this where we never thought he would. Like, Jack was... I remember leaving Jack to school on the day that Rosie got sick. And I said, I'll be back for you to collect you from school. And I never come back. Two weeks later, I never come back to the school. So that affected him really bad. And he always got that fear. My man's not going to come back for me for, to, to the school. So he came up to see his sister. We didn't think anything of it. We didn't think like this will find him or nothing. We just said like your sister got a soldier. We told him all about what was going on. And he was at the side of the bed. But Rosie, whichever way she turned, he saw her, saw her head and he screamed hysterically crying because he was at the scene where she was slitting stuff. And that for months, for months on, like that affected him. Months he was in a really, really dark place. And with them Rosie being sick and then with Jack being like that, it was tough. Like I literally cried myself to see, but every single night and said, what a fucking useful mother am I like put my kids through this? Like I thought it was all my fault. If I do with this, you know, um, Oh, eventually, months later, like we eventually just start getting, Rosie's really sick at home. She wouldn't sleep around, you know, like there was no, we didn't get a wink of sleep. Well, when they said like she might sleep better, I said she won't sleep any better. She was, she was a great sleeper. Mm-hmm. But the sides, the effects to the flu build up is sleeping too much, getting sick, seizures, you know, stuff like that. So they put the shunts in, but she started, it was like she wouldn't sleep. But she used to scream and scream and scream because she's constant headaches. Mm. But we, they never told us this is like I had to Google, sit for hours and hours every night and change. Like, we'll get off that phone, please, and stop Googling all this stuff. But no one else would tell me. They wouldn't tell me nothing. So I said, it's up to me to find out this stuff. And I could tell you the ins and outs of everything because I'd done that much research on it. So then it was in the May then, and I had no it's Rosie. What? Like, she didn't show any science. No science, but I noticed our left eye was twitching a bit. No, torn and a mm. tiny little thing a bit. Mm. I was like, right, I'm not really happy with that eye. Everything about Rosie then, I was like, I was obsessed with her. Like I was watching every single thing. Like every day I had to measure her head to make sure the fluid wasn't building up. So there was no signs of the buildup. So I was like, right, just something with the eye. So I remember being in our trail. I rang the nurse and now I hounded them. Like I got this... Got this strength from somewhere I don't know where to come out of. I was like, right, um, I left the eye, like, is that right? I take her in. I started like getting brave and I like, I said, they were like, who the hell is this? Who does you think she is? And they were like, I'll bring her in, you know, we'll have a look. No, Grant, not mama. And I was like, all right, I left it. I said, that's fine. But I knew, I had an awful feeling something wasn't right. So I kept bringing that in, bringing that in, bringing that in. And like, he made me cry. 
He was like, no, it's you. You're the problem here. There's nothing wrong with the child. Like, So then I got, I was like, oh my God, I'm a, I am a freak of a mother. I'm one of these mothers mm-hmm. that's just obsessed. Like, so I, and then I tried to come away from it because James even said, Jen, you're going a bit OTT now. There's nothing wrong with it. I said, I'm, I'm telling you, there is. I used to lie in bed awake every night and I'll just, I knew, like I said, there is. And people are telling me there's not. So then, because they were saying there's not, then I started to believe it, right? I'm, there's not. And I'm just this weird of a mother that just thinks there's something wrong with her child. So then she started showing signs. The, the fluids, the, the buildup was starting on the, it was about a week later. And I think she went up a centimetre. A little, she went up a little tiny bit or something. I was like, right, that's it. Back in. And he was like, but her head has to grow. I was like, so no, I said, I had, it's not to grow like within a week. I said, it hasn't grown in months. I knew you were telling me it's going a week. So uh, I said, I want to scan. No, he sent me home again. Like I was just in and out and it was upset me so much. Like it was horrible to be constantly just put down, put down, put down. And I was like, like history repeating itself. Yeah, I the- said, I need to find the strength from somewhere. I need to, like, what my problem was, I was afraid to speak out because I said something that wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Now, and here I was, right, I may be wrong. Like, I, I might be wrong, but what if I'm not? So I went back in again and they were just getting sick of me at this stage. So they brought her for a scan. And he came, he came himself. I was actually shocked because he normally sent someone else. And he said, You all right? You all right? And you cut that. He said, we're literally early days. He said, you cut that. And he said, from one little thing. Now, they were worried then about me because the way I was with her then. Mm. Like, and so was family, like, because I was literally on the ball, on the ball. No, like, watching for these things. But and at that time, it was like I was pushing Jack. Jack was, couldn't see Jack because this mm. was Rosie. Like, Rosie was sick and she needed me. So I remember <laughs> saying to him, I swear to God, I was standing on the landing in the hospital and I said I was right I was right you knew I was right I said you made me feel like an protective protective mother and like he basically was saying well you are like you know but Mm. I remember getting really upset but he was that he from that day that man has been so nice to me from that day and I said you know what it takes to speak up and tell like to talk back to somebody for Mm. them to actually see that this was really going on so she had more surgery again God love her a scar wasn't even healed and she was getting caught open again so um, she was what that was the July so she was a couple of months she was a year yeah she was a year the July and then like Rosie's legs and all were very floppy so she wouldn't wasn't really doing much and I was never they never told me up to then that Rosie never walked now I knew kids that had to find a rift and Andrew Kefalis and Rosie's pal Hannah and she was in a wheelchair and stuff and I remember going to physio where in Templetry and she was only a little tot like I was sitting there in the carpet and no one the mat and like it was my first time to ever take the child to these things mm. so I didn't I hate that knowing you're unknown to mm. these and the woman that we had was very very rude very I swear to God I'd love to go up there with the temperature and woolly the head over really? I swear to God she was real like it was like right Rosie now the child's only like a little thing now I, I had her she still wasn't able to sit up so I had her holding between my legs mm. And I said something 
Um, you know, like as a mother, like just, mm. I said something like, I could have been like, oh, I can't wait to chat walking or something. Mm. Or, you know, it was something, the smallest comment ever. And she goes, well, you know, your child will never walk. And I was like, sorry. And I sw- I'll never, like it, the, the physio was still going on and the hurt. I was trying, like she stayed doing the physio and I'm still just lost in this I didn't know what was going on. I was like, what is, did she just say to me? So I got out of physio and I just let out the biggest cry. I thought out of here, I never ever get, I said, I never want to look at that woman ever again. And she never brought me back to work because I tell you, I nearly burned the hospital to the ground after what she done to me. So I remember ringing James and James like, no, that's not right. Like the child has, she would be able to walk, will stop it? So then I got onto the neurosurgeon, Michelle. They brought. I said I want to go in and see us. And I said, you tell me, please, because no one. They were telling me bit by bit. Mm. Do you know, say Rosie like showed a sign. Oh yeah, this is another sign. It was gradually going on. There was nothing like we're looking for this, do this, do this. Mm. And I went in, and they said, well, she might not be able to walk. I said, well, why didn't they tell me these things? Because we don't know that yet. Like we have to wait and see. Like. I said, well, I was just told that she won't. Well, they said, well, from more air point of view, she'll never live a normal life. That's what they said. No, she, was, she was just, no, real flop still yeah. at that time. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I just, that was it. That was the end of me. Literally the end of me. And it took me, it's like I went blank from them, from them months because I can't really remember. So I remember having to tell the family, like, but they didn't say, like, they were like, she, yeah, and we'll be there for you. Like, mm. and this is things that we'll do together and we'll help you. And I was like, no, my child will be walking. Like, mm. and she's, no. And I always had it in the back of my mind. Like, it was there and the hurt was there. Like, we looked at wheelchairs and stuff like that, me and James. And it was heartbreaking. But we, it was like we were getting used to it, but still to me, I was like, no, like she's going to walk, I'm mm. telling you. But I never said it out loud because then I was like, if I say it out loud, then they'd be saying she's losing the plot like Oscar. So Rosie was nearly two. She was saying mama, dada. Like this was going on for months later. She said she never walked, talk or live a normal life. She was saying mama, dada. She was, and then she started to come around and you know, she went on and had more surgery again because the shunt blocked and like that we had to fight and fight and fight for them to see. So what is the shunt? What is that? The shunt is, um, it's a tube. It's, it's certainly in Rosie's brain. Right. And it does a tube coming down into our neck, straight into mm. our stomach. And then that, that drains all the fluid from right. our brain. Now, they're not great. Like, she's already had to have four of them in okay. five years. And, like, the more soldiers she has that if they're at the brain, do you know, and it can affect her. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe, like, this is what, now, what I'm thinking. Like, maybe the later down the line, we don't know. We Tomorrow, Rosie probably say, can't walk. But today, it's not that day. She's not, we're not going to let her give up mm. do you know well, later on in life if they can't see a hole in that brain maybe she will affect her mm. but it's not affecting her now and she won't know that she, mm. we're not going to let her know that this this is what's going to may or may not happen maybe it won't mm. do you know so I'm not going to tell a child that you might not walk when you're older like but she went and had more surgery she was getting stronger and stronger like she was a little fighter she was coming out with the surgeries laughing like I remember bringing her in for if James's birthday, God love him. I said she's taking out her father her birthdays. And I walked out into A and A. I was at the checking our pupils mm. in the house. I don't know what made me do it. And I was like, 
What are all people's feelings? You're like straight into Amy and his house. They're going like, you're calling people to die. <laughs> <laughs> kids. And I said to the, the, the neurosurgeon that she's when I wasn't there. So there was another fella on. It was a young man. And he was only new when he walked for for Dr. Quimmins. And I, he said, right, we've been out for a scan. He was lovely. He was real on the ball. It was none of this like, oh no, she's fine. Or, mm. for a scan. And James got up and walked out of the hospital. I said, you're made a show of us. Like you are making, you're wasting these people's time, right? Mm. And I said, come on then. And he went down to me, ma. And he said, my master, calling me on human names, mm. saying, she's sick. She's feeling like you want to go to the hospital again. Like mm. there's something wrong. So he came over to me and he said, right, your daughter needs a major operation right now. And I, even though I knew, I went, what? So I remember I rang James. No, he, he says to me, yeah, he sat there with me and he was the nicest. He's like, yeah, okay. And I was like, I'm fine. I said, like, I am. And I was actually getting stronger with it. Mm-hmm. It was like, it, it breaks me heart that she has to keep going through this. But the fight that I have to put up with for them to see, which I didn't on that day. Mm-hmm. I said, it's crazy. I said, why are these not working? So what they wanted to do, he says to me, what we're going to do now is remove the shunt and we're going to drill holes. In, in Rosie's brain for the, the fluids they wanted to come from the top of the head into the back of her head it was like holes to drill and take the shunt away and oh this will work like this and I said like has it worked well not really like sometimes it doesn't work I said well no we keep in the shunt because I had heard about it and the one thing as well that put me off that is Rosie would have been slip from the whole top of her head Right round. And like, even though it might have helped, but I wasn't letting her, she was that bit older mm. and I was not taking her home to a brother looking like that. Mm. Either. And I know some kids have to do it, but I just took, the, I took that choice to not put my child through that. So I rang James and I said, the shunt is blocked. And he went, I silenced. And he <laughs> cried and cried and cried. And he says to me, Matt, like, she's always right. Like, how is she right? He's like, Debbie, and he felt terrible for not believing in me. Because mm. I, I felt like I was losing my marbles. Mm. I really did. So I can only imagine what the rest of them were saying about me. But he was like, he, my master said to me, she held him like a baby. And he, he just kept saying, Debbie, how does she know these things? My master said, it's a mother's instinct. Every mother knows her own child. He said, but how? Like, it's crazy. So it was James's birthday, God love him then. They brought off a soldier first thing the next morning. And she skipped down, skipped down to surgery. Like they were like, no, this can't be happening. Like she was, they even said in the hospital, what was it they said to her about her? She's a child. She never showed science, showed the science. Mm. Like she, she was just incredible. She was just skipping. She skipped in and stay in a, like, like looking at anyone else. If you looked at Rosie, you'd say no way. Mm. There's no way. Like that child's going to have a brain surgery right now. And came out with, she went down with the biggest smile. She knew she was that bit older. Mm. She was three going down. And we went to let go with her because the nurse took her by the hand down and she brought a little, the bravery company sent out her this little teddies for her. Mm-hmm. And she carries it everywhere. The thing is, man, but she loves it. And I remember I got down with a little teddy. But they said we're going down to the play area. Do you want to come with us? And like I was like, you're very brave and stuff like that. Like she and they, they obviously gave her medicine to put her sleep. But she said to me, I felt very sleepy when I was playing with them toys. <sighs> you know, and but they obviously made her feel comfortable and stuff like that. But she came out and. She was very sick after the surgery. Like she was, she was really sick. 
and she was just lobbing a line there and then she, the next day oh my god she was swinging over the lampposts swinging over everything but no that was she was walking at this time I actually missed a bit mm. skipped the part the whole You're bit okay, go on. the whole yeah. bit where yeah. she's yeah. there walking um, we went to Wexford she was two and uh, we went to Wexford and like she was sitting up sitting up on her mm. own now we always had cushions the yeah. cushions came yeah. everywhere they were all yeah. around because she used to just fall to the side like and we are in Wexford which had this little doll on pram it was always a little cheap little thing mm. it was about six or five or something yeah. and we brought that it was done a while because she used to sit there and roll the wheels like mm. so me and James is out smoking in the mobile and James Jackson is sitting around in the thing with the, the baby um we I heard Jack scream I said the child is dead quicker the child was walking where our boogie now she took oh one step God, yeah. but Jack like even to far Jack it's like she's walking he was screaming oh with God. excitement it was and you want to hear we all screamed that much the child hit the floor <laughs> <laughs> we were screaming that much he's like man she's had to take one step but we caught it like do you know as well as we yeah, got yeah. in because she stood up yeah. and took a step and I was like, no, this couldn't be happening. Like, um, and James was like, don't be getting hopes up, Jen, don't. And I mm. said, no, she is walking. She's going to walk. She got up and stood up and she's going, she's had to find the strength to get up and do it. <laughs> so we got trying to get, you know, the usual, mainly mm. Nisha, I was like, please, yeah. come on, you're yeah. waving yeah. sweets at her and all, nothing, but she wouldn't. She's just mm. standing there with, mm. but even for her to stand up. Yeah. It was amazing. Just for her to see her standing up, it was unreal. So that was a while, it took weeks, months actually for her. She was getting stronger and stronger. And the physio was helping an awful lot as well. And even that, the physio was, no, this was a different lady. Jesus, thank God I didn't go back to that one. And she said to me, she was a young girl, she was like me, and I was telling her all about the experience that I went through. And she said, no, your your daughter is going to walk. She said, I'm telling you now, I know the strength and strength that she's had to be important in week after week in physio. And she made me feel so much better. So that was when we we met. Um, I had been online and I seen on Facebook, there was a run going on for hydrocephalus, spinal bifida and hydrocephalus. But it's Hannah, it's Rosie's best friend now because we, us, me and Anton and Joanna's parents connected together right. through a Facebook page that parents have for mm. kids with the same thing. And uh, should I just text the man, Steve, and his name is, and I was like, I'd love to do your run, you know, all my family, well, we, we all, we all walk. And it's kind of, where is she from? Hannah's from Talla. From Talla. And Tala. so is Stephen, he's okay. from Talla. So okay. the room is being held in Corky Park. Okay. So I was like, oh, this would be great for us to do, you know, to raise money and stuff. Like the money was going to the, the charity, mm. Spine Vifit and the Hydrocephalus. And I never knew how many people there was out there with the same illness like because I never heard of it mm. it was my first time to hear of it with Rosie so that was a couple of weeks up to the run and I got loads of people involved loads we had to wear these orange t-shirts now we all we got bus loads because there's so many of us mm. like, so we seen on Facebook I was sitting in Matt's house and I seen flicking through Facebook and I seen um, a run going on for Spine Bifid and Hydrocephalus so the man's name was Stephen and so I texted him and I said, can we, can we get involved in the run? My daughter has hydrocephalus. So he was delighted. But he had actually knew about us because Hannah's dad is his best friend. Okay. So he'd obviously heard of us. like, And so we were chuffed and stuff. And I literally got the whole family, like everybody. There was loads of us. 
mm. bush drives that was going out. So if this was on in Corky Park, so the whole place just lit up in orange because the t-shirts were orange because yeah. the colours for Spiny Fit in the Hydrocraft is, is orange and blue. Okay. And so it was great. So we walked. Now I couldn't run. I never mm. ran before in my life. So we walked 5k. And it was great. Then it took us an hour. We were the last ones to come across with Rosie. Like, but it was great like to see her walking under the finish line. And then all of our family was just standing there mm. waiting on her. So then I got the itch. I was like, right, I might do more of these little walks. Mm. Like, these are great. Like, And even like my family, Tracy, the whole lot, they said, we felt great after getting out and just doing that bit of exercise. Mm. So we raised uh, tons of money for a spine with and hydrocephalus. And so we got involved in more, more runs. And James was like, oh my God, you're stressing me out with all this. Because I was getting very involved right. like, in this. I was like, oh, but this keeps me going. Because mm. I can't walk because Rosie. Like, mm. I, Rosie don't look after her. So mm. I said, well, I might as well do my thing now. And the one thing I love is helping other people and giving as what I can give. Mm. So I... Signed up to do another 5k with Stephen. He, fair play, he was always there and he helped us yeah. through it. Um, Rosie was after having the surgery and I was like, right, I'll take it. I took her in a buggy. Mm. My friend Ruth was at the lending me a, a running pram. She's a great, and even watching her as well, I watched her running and I was like, oh my God, I hope I'm like her. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was running as well and she's just a little bit older than Rosie and she's flying like. So I was like, right, I'll get into this, but I ran me first 5k with the pram. Oh my God. I said never again. <laughs> I, ever, I couldn't breathe. I thought my legs were going to fall off. So like that again, after you finish a run, it's like an adrenaline goes through your body. It's like this, I'm at achieving something because I never felt so good. I never achieved things. And I was like, right, I think this is for me. Like, mm. So eventually I was kept doing it and I was getting better at the 5Ks, you know, I was getting a little mm. bit faster and stuff. So we done many runs with Stephen, many of them. And then I went on board then and um, there's a with the Hydrocephalus Dublin branch. Okay. The Hannah's Da runs. Now this is helping adults with Spinebifta and Hydrocephalus. So I ended up jumping on board with them and... What we done was um, a, a, a barbecue day up in the, the spine with the place that's in Tallet as well. I think on Darken and a, a broke, uh, even watching these people, it broke me heart. Like looking at this, like, and did you know what? They looked so happy. Like it was, it was like, this is their day and this is their time to get out. Like you could see some of them were wheelchair users and some weren't. We could see the strength in them, you know, it's, it, was, it was amazing. And they had an absolute ball of a day. Brilliant. So I started getting then more involved and we done a, a, a quiz night mm-hmm. in a pub in Tally. So I was like, what? I was like... I said, right, I want to be more involved in this. So what do I do? Like, I never really done events, you know, like mm. planned events or stuff like that. So I went around. I don't know where the confidence came from. Literally, I went to every shop in Dublin. Can I have this? Can I have that? We're doing this. Can I have this? Like, I asked everyone for everything, all for prizes on mm. the night. And it was fucking, it was, it was in the, the, the January. It was just before COVID. Mm. And... 
we had a ball. They, they had a ball. The pe- like the people, these adults with these, this is my refinery preface. They, ha- they had a great night and they couldn't thank us enough. And just for that, just to say thank you. Like, and I, I always say, well, I hope someone does this for Rosie mm. in years to come. I hope that she can have this as well. Mm. Do you know, and someone be there to help her and give her this little bit of happiness. So, um, that was a success then the COVID hit. and my heart, I couldn't even think about these people because they were just stuck in the houses. There was nothing we could do for this. So what I done was um, a 10k garden challenge, you know, stuff that I could try and do mm. for these people. And oh my God, the garden challenge, run around the garden, 10k. Oh I was God. like, oh my God, run around in circles. But it was great. Like when you think about what you're doing it for, mm. and like Rosie's running around in um, a superhero costume behind me. <laughs> <laughs> like, this mm. day, like you come behind me, superwoman. Mm. Um, and she loved it. Like she thinks it was the best thing ever. So during the COVID then, everyone was just COVID hit me bad like mentally bad because mm. I was very strict with the kids and because I had to be for Rosie and mm. I had to be for family as well to keep them safe so it was mentally affecting me and I said right, I have to do something like I love being busy and planning things and doing mm. events or something and James like no I'm not another event please Jennifer. I can't <laughs> be he gets stressed out about it because mm. he doesn't get all the time yeah. it's not going yeah. to do that thing so I was like, right, you know what? We'll do um, a 1K a day challenge. See, we needed money as well to raise for this branch, for the people in Dublin that had this point of in Hydrocaphis. Like to send them, them hampers and mm. don't get stuff in for mm. them. And so I was like, right, well, they need us. So they need us to do this for them. So I said, right, Rosie, you're doing the 1K a day challenge. And then, like, what what the plan was, it was the thing I wanted to do. I was always wanted to do my own event, run with Rosie. Mm. Now in the Phoenix Park and have a day where there's a finish line mm. and everyone gets involved and stuff like that. And have her, they all have our moments. Like, this was a child I was never able to walk and now she's running 5K. Mm. So we done, COVID obviously wouldn't let us mm-hmm. plan this event. So I had to put that one off. So I said, right, in the main, the 10 days up to, we had the event, I can't even remember the date, it was sometime in August. So I said, you know what, we'll do it. What I called was uh, the power of 10. So I said, right, she'll run the 10 days. And then on the the last day, it'd be the run with Rosie. But everyone had to do virtual. There was no, we couldn't get crowds out. And the amount of people that got involved was unbelievable. Now, Rosie used to run, God love her, like she, the 1K, I've seen it even on day six. Like she was, she wasn't even well. She was, she had a cold and all and she was like, oh, I'm not getting up to do this. Like, I'm not. And I'm like, think, Hannah, come on, think, mm. Hannah, get up and do it. Like, mm. come on. And I'd love to be able. So she did and she flew it. And it was in that time, like I always got out with her. I was out with her for the eight days. And I remember getting a message off um, my friend Janine. And she was like, I'm at to me and talking to the fella from the running club. And I was like, what running club? I was just seeing a thing on Instagram, but I wasn't really mm. looking into it. I was like, oh yeah, that's a new club at the home, like starting up in town and stuff. And I was like, oh, deadly. Like, so they said, can you run day nine? I was like, chuffed, like delighted. I was like, but COVID rules, you know, no hugging, no touching, yeah. no breathing mm-hmm. the wrong direction. <laughs> like, so we met in the polo grounds in the Phoenix Park mm. and my nerves were gone because, you know, I was, I, I no meeting new people. Mm-hmm. I still, oh, mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I'm so nervous, you know. Mm. But once I get chatting, then I'm grand. Like, mm. So uh, Dwayne and Carl, like, they, they come up. 
I was actually been chatting to, to Dwayne. He's real outgoing. Mm. Like he's real. And I felt so comfortable even when he was on the phone. I knew I was like, I'm going to go well with him. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's real chatterboxy. And he said, um, we're getting a t-shirt made for her. I was like, oh God, it's like, like see, even when people like give her a package of jelly, it's not like, like oh man, me, me nerves. <laughs> because it's the kindness mm-hmm. out there. Like it's mm-hmm. so kind, like if people mm-hmm. to even think about her. And we, um, so they came up to us and they had me a t-shirt as well. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, like I wasn't in a running club around yeah, or yeah, stuff yeah. like that. I just went out on my own and done little runs. Yeah. Like I was shy. Like mm. I was just trying my best to just keep going. And they were like, you should come up to do to the running club. And I was like, oh God, me join a running club. I don't think I have the confidence to even go up there. Like, you're mad. But I just said, yeah, I will, you know. So we done the 1K and Rosie waffled the ears off the two of them the whole way around the polo grounds. And they loved her. Like she loved them. Mm. And from that day, she said, they're my uncles, Dwayne and Carl. Like, mm. And she never knew them. Yeah. But she's like that. She's real confident. She's real easy going. Mm. And I sometimes, some days I wish I was like her. You know? mm. But, um, so she done the last day with just me, James and Jack. Mm. We just done it as a family in the polo grounds again. And Jack, see, we had the 5K on that. We done the run with Rosie 5K. So Jack and James took on the 5K. Right. So they done the lap of the polo grounds five times. Yeah. So me and Rosie's pottering just the ones. We, we just do your 1K. But we raised an awful lot, over three grants she raised from just doing the running through an account. Wow. Like the people... Strangers, like, well, like she's literally inspiring us. People are getting up off their couches and getting out and walking and running. And I was like, this is unbelievable. But the amount of friends that we've met along the whole way of the journey, like, is, is, is amazing. So we got that over. It was a bit of stressful. Now, I have to say, it's not easy planning these things. Like, it is hard on me. Like, I'd sit for hours and I have to make sure everything's perfect. So... Then after that, then I remember, I never turned up. I said, you know what, Anna? the t-shirt that they gave me, I never took it on my back. They were in a seat room club t-shirt. Never. I was running around Valley Firm with the t-shirt. On, right? And it was like, it gave me that boost. Yeah. Like it gave me a huge boost to push myself a bit further. And then I was putting a group, like we have these groups and just some of the people from town I didn't even know and I'm from town. And I swear to God, like, I wouldn't even call them friends now. I'd call them family because they're just, they're an amazing bunch of people. So any event that was going on, I would go in and turn up to the event. So the first one I'd done with them was um, the women's mini marathon we done. And that was a 10K. And like that as well, even, I was like, I don't know anyone. Everyone knows each other at the club and I don't know anyone. But it was like, I knew. The minute I stepped into the, the Grange Garment, like, there was no, everyone was just, all over each other like it was great like mm. they were just so nice and I felt so comfortable and I couldn't wait to go back to the another room with them so from then on I gradually builded myself up like there was days where I was like oh him like why am I even doing this like I'm crap you know mm. things like that but one thing I never done was never compared myself to, to another person and in that club I found there's no, no competition everyone is out there doing the same thing in that club doing, trying their best to do the same thing whether it's get out to clear your head like and I'd be honest i get out to run just to get out with the kids mm. and i tell anyone that because it's great like even in now I'm running just a break mm. with the kids is unreal it's like therapy so I got more involved in with the club and then Rosie took on another challenge for our school the school it was um 
they had to co- it's so many days say like 12 14 days or something and you see what this it was like they walk a, a 5k and I walked 40 minutes a day right so she covered 180 something kilometers within them days so I had this child she's not left in my now oh so my god but we're always like that we're always mm. there I said well why not do it for something mm. so now there was no fundraising involved in that mm. it was just for the skills get all the parents active because of COVID and like that again the inner city like Darren Sanders he's just amazing I know his name Oh, yeah. Was he a dancer? Yeah. Okay. He's, he's, he's teaches the dancer. Right. He's Rosie's that's, dance that's teacher. That's I know. Yeah. Yeah. But I met Darren. I never knew of Darren. Mm. No, he'd, he'd teach my brother dancing, but I never knew of him. Mm. And everyone seemed to have known him. And I'm like, how do I not know him? Mm. I swear to God, he is a gent of a man. A gent. He's the funniest person ever as well. So I got to know Darren. And he's like, right, we have something for Rosie. Come to my house. Like, we're doing all our running and all. And I was like, fair play. Like, they didn't have to do that. Mm. Like, and that means the world to me for someone to recognize my child. That's all like, and for what she's doing, like there's many people out there that didn't want to know, you know, they didn't, they were like just pushing it away. But family and them, that running club, they, they are whole family. And what they do for her is incredible. So we went to Darren's house and like that again, I was like, oh God, I don't even know. Like the chap, I'm going to his house. The minute he stepped out of the garden, like it was just, I was like, this is unreal. Like, how are these people so nice? Like, mm-hmm. you want to see what this stuff they got? Big picture frame running. I, uh, the best one at the club. And she has them all. She has, I mean, the bedroom, she, the balloons, there's still an Easter balloon. Oh, I remember Jesus. they got it. still blown up. I don't know how was that the last one. But so she was delighted with her life. She was chuffed. And I made her feel like I done this and like I got these gifts off mm. these people. And it was great. They got a big poster and all made for. So I was like, right, that's it. They're like, no, no, they won't get rid of us now. Like mm. we're literally in there. Like, so mm. there's no get rid of us, Rosie. So then I started like going to all the other events. I don't, um, we don't have, I actually don't have marriage in virtual. And I was like, right, that was like, we tore the half marriage. I was like, right, I have to push myself. But I remember Dwayne saying to me on the day at Darren's, he was, I was like, she's doing a 5k day challenge now this was like months before mm. like but we knew she was going to be heading for this in July like, and he was like right well we're having an event in August like why don't you let her finish it up in that and do a heart marathon and I was like oh I'm not doing a heart marathon I might push myself to the fall mm. and I was, he's, he's looking at me and saying well you're mad swine like mm-hmm. you're not training for this mm. so I had that set in my mind I was like right I'm going to do this now if, to do a full marathon you need to literally nearly push our kids away to put that time and effort in to do it. Like, and I said to James, like, I'm doing a full marathon. And James said, well, this is what you wanted to do. This is what you aim to do. Like, push yourself. Like, he's good like that. He'd tell mm-hmm. you. Even though when I, or I was like, oh, no, I'm not doing it. You're already doing it. Like, there was no, like, saying, no, you're not. Like, mm-hmm. so... I didn't really put the training in, I'll be honest with you. I didn't, like, I don't drink water, I don't stretch the physio, I nearly having a heart attack when he listened to me. But I knew in my head, I was like, I don't care if I have to crawl, if my knees are cut, I'm getting to that finish line. Like, mm. So at the start of July, then I started to doubt myself. I was like, no, I can't see it on me or Rosie's challenge. There's no way I can do 5K a day and do a marathon the next day after that. So... We put it out there that Rosie was doing the 5k day challenge. 
But the only thing I didn't put up is that she's cycling and walking and running. Mm. So I got abuse off people on Instagram. And I swear to God, I, James had to haunt me like a baby. I hadn't got the strength to fight back, to, to answer back. I was literally distraught. And I said to myself, oh my God, I am the worst mother in history. What were they saying? There was a page, two pages made up on Instagram. And then they were, I was blocked from the pages. But then there was people that I knew as well. Like saying, oh my God, like child run 5k a day. Like, and I was like, no, she's not. Like, and I was, I was come explaining myself to these people. But on one of the messages I got saying, your kids should be took off you. Yeah, our little legs, how she's going to do this, that, and you know. And I hadn't got time to, I remember I was sitting in the bed and looking at it and going, and then knowing I blocked off something from Instagram, that's it, it's gone. Like, keep the page, can't get into the message. And I said, James, I'm not going to let her do it. I said, f- f- like, they're, they're right. Like, oh my God, like, what a mother am I? 5K every day. Like, can you imagine the pain that you want to go through? And he was like, but she's able. You know she's capable of doing this. So why would you stop her? And like the first day that she done it, I was afraid to even put her up. I was like, oh, I'm not even putting her on. I'm afraid to put it up. Like, so I had to explain myself to people and put it on the story. Like, it's walking, cycling and running. So then I got my strength back and I said, like, fuck you. It's like... If anyone has something to say about my child, come to fucking me and tell me. Like, mm. say it. Like, I never ever set my child up there if I knew she wasn't capable of doing this. Mm. Like, we do that anyways. If I put a Fitbit on Rosie, she, I'd say about 100k a day because she's wiry. Mm. She's constantly on the go. And so she should be. She's great. Like, she's not one of them kids that sit around in front of the telly all day. And she was told she'd never walk. She's not told she'd never walk or talk. And she doesn't stop. And it's amazing. Like, so we've, I eventually got over that and I swore at the end of it. I said, oh, do you know what? I won't. I'm not going to ruin it. It's Rosie's time. I'm not going to ruin it. She was doing this for Hannah. Hannah needed the money for the equipment she needed at home. Her parents were struggling. They needed that. So they needed us. They needed me and they needed Rosie. So we were going to help them no matter what. So um, a lot of people then, at the start, now really, like it was out there. But now, um, our first one she's on, she's done with a girl from um, Bally Fame, from she runs with the Trotters Running Club, and Fair Play, she got involved. And Ruth and Ella, my, I'd be good friends with Ruth, and her little daughter loves running. She's running 10Ks and all. And I liked that with Ruth. I got, I, I said to Ruth, Ruth, what will I do? Like, and Ruth said, she got the same thing. Like, her little woman was running 10K. And the same, like, that people were like disgraceful, like, you know. So Ruth reassured me, and she said, Jennifer, the child does it. She, she'd run around all day, so let her do it. Mm. This is for a good cause. So I was delighted. And, um, so most days like she'd cycle the 5k mm. now it was my feet it was mm. my feet that was born in blisters because I'm running after mm. like and but we loved it there was never a day where I said like she wasn't doing it we went to Wexford and all and she still was out doing it like there was no giving days off there was a day off on her birthday and that was about it because she deserved that day off mm. and even like that Rosie said but like I want to do it on my birthday but it was only that I was running around like a mad thing mm. trying to organise a party I was like hang on I'll track her on me watch while I'm running around yeah. but she, like she still wanted to do it because she loved it She mm. she's an outdoor child Rosie hates she will not sit in front of a telly or anything like that she hates sitting down we were sending her home tonight and she's now <laughs> off for area somewhere we're, we're, on the road. we're t- two terrible mothers sitting here yeah. with her children <laughs> but um so with that again, the a lot of people got involved in the in the the run and a lot of messages that I got on Instagram then. Like there was people that never ran that got up mm. to do a run. 
and to try. Like they're like, if this child can do it, mm. we can do it. And like that, and you can do anything you put your mind to. And this is the one thing that I learned in the past year, like to believe in myself. And I do. And I believe that anything is possible. Especially looking at Rosie. Like Rosie has literally changed me as a person. So she was done the challenge, the whole challenge, and she loved it. So my dad was like, why don't we have something on the last day? No, my dad got on the Dublin Live. Yeah. I was like, dad, I'm going to kill you. You know, mm. like, just tell her, tell her story, get her out. But when the story came out, I was to see your child out there. Ooh. And strangers from everywhere. People are texting me saying, like, my cousin that lives, like, miles away is at the shade and obviously starving. And they're like, how do you know? Do you like, it just has to come up on me thing. Like, and I was chuffed. Like, I was like, Lisa's just getting out there. And she's letting people know that this is possible. Like, we can do this. And we can, and she's doing all this for our friend. And what a friend to have. I swear to God, Rosie, she's the kindest little person in the world. And I know for a fact that she will be a great friend, hope a great, she's a heart of gold. Like, even with the homeless, she won't pass a homeless person. I need it with I, but I have her like that because mm. it's all kindness. Like, and give them if you have, even if you're going to buy them a sandwich, that's mm. all I want from you is to just show people kindness. Mm. And that's what she's doing. She's proving that to me. And so, so the last day, my dad was like, right, come on, I organised a big thing. And I was like, dad, please, I can't, I haven't got the head. I have me running all tomorrow. And like, I was trying to, argue, like I had me run, Rosie's last day. Then I was trying to prep for me run. I'm yesterday sleeping in my mass to get up early, mm. five o'clock in the Sunday morning to go and do my own run. And I was had to try to organise for the day if the event to hold myself together. Yeah. I was like, dad, I can't, I'll literally try and warm myself up. Yeah, why won't you be grand? Come on. So, my auntie Elaine, she's the Lord Mary of Street. Right. So she put it on our Facebook page. She's all better view. I was at doors, clapping all down the road and whatever. Is she um, the official Lord Mary of Sheriff Street? <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's made up. <laughs> just check it. She, she, just, <laughs> she just does a body chain. Oh, she's dead. She's <laughs> comical. <laughs> but so she put it up and then we went into Mass on the Saturday. And I was all over the place. So I was like, I can't, I can't even talk to people today. Like, I just can't. And then people just start coming out of cracks of the walls. Like we said, we'll do our start at three o'clock. Yeah. And I was at the going and getting two balloons uh, made in the party shop. But mm. the woman wrote on them, well done, Rosie, and a 5k day for Hannah. And so we said that would be the starting line. Mm. And so everyone gangs at my man's door. I'm like, where did the people come from? But it was everyone that always supported her. Mm. Like everyone I see in that uh, outside there was the ones that was always had her back. Mm. Always. So it was great. Like, so we started off and me, my sister now she put on the amp and no, that song you're a superstar. Ah, uh, uh, no, I couldn't, I don't have to roll with a ball of my throat. And Rosie just, what we planned on doing was putting Rosie on a scooter for 4K. Mm. And we, we'll walk. Yeah. 4K and then we let her run the last, right? Yeah. She sprinted off. No skewer, red. So there's loads of people left behind that was supposed to come out. So there was, like, there was uh, Jen and Lisa and Liz from the inner city running club. Mm. My cousin Darren, Jack, we remember. And like, I'm like, I'm Ruth as well. Mm. And I'm like, okay, hang on, where's the skewer? Somebody's whacking at the skewer. Mm. She's not going to be able to do, she never ran a 5K. Yeah. So we started off in Charity Street, ran all the, down by the case, uh, round by the O2, down East Wall and out down by Fairview. 
And I was like, Liz, fair play, I you. Just chew one on the back for a few minutes. Yeah. I was carrying her. But she, the child never said, she kept sprinting off. And I was like, where are they trying to give away? Are we mm. a big run on tomorrow? Like, for the stop. And I come, like, we got, we turned to Shell Street and Ruth said to me, we're at 4K, so we would have been bang on 5K at Shell Street. And like, we were coming down seven places. I was like, this, this is not happening. Like, she's at the run in 5K. Like, I said, what a terrible mother I am for yeah. making a run 5K. Mm. Like, it's mm. terrible. Mm. The child with me, I mean, mm. she went up. So, we were coming through Charlotte and Charlotte and James rang me and he said, where is this? I was just torn. So he had this thing blaring again. And the whole, if Charlotte Street was out at the door, was clapping. There's a girl, Sinead, as well. She, I always buy me balloons off one. They done bows, orange and blue bows and put them on everyone's railings. Like, that's how good that they are of a community. But like, all out clapping are coming down and she loved it. And then Elaine was standing waiting. Now all the families in the middle of the road clapping are coming down. And once you see even the amount of presents people bought or like, the bags we mastered, like the bag lady coming oh in. God. It was unbelievable. Literally the support. Like, and these are things, this is what, these are the type of people that get you through these things. Like these, this is what we do it for. We do it for these people. And like even my brothers and sisters, like each and every single one of them is constantly saying, I'm, I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. So proud of you. But like what I say to them, like, and I am so proud of them, but I do this for them. And to let them see the strength. If they see me crumbling, my kids see me crumble, then that's it. They'll crumble with me. And I'm not have. That's one thing I always said. I would never let my kids fall with me. Like I'd probably follow me on, but they never know. And like since I, I with the running, I, the running literally changed my life. And I advise anybody that's feeling down in their self, even get out, get out and do a half an hour walk. Like it's come. Alana joined the running club and Eric. And I saw Alana on my way out here tonight and she said, Jennifer, three days. I joined three days ago. She said, and the difference in my mind. Like it's, it, it changes. People don't, doesn't think. Like some people would say to me, oh, what are you running for? You know, like. What's it like running running as well long distance is tough. Mentally tough. Like I done a 30 K to but my man's how to hold someone back on my own. I ran and I cried, I laughed, I talked to myself. I don't like you're you're mentally, emotionally, like just like it's crazy, like what goes on in your mind. But you need that. You need to get out and you need to just have that bit of time to yourself. Even if it's five K, thirty K, fifty K, it doesn't matter. Like it's still good. You need it, it worked for me and it's worked for people that I know around me. So if anyone was to say to me, Jennifer, I feel down, I say grow up and get out and walk or run and try, do whatever. Because it does work. I don't see me, I know like some people are like you have to take tablets and all to help them and stuff, but my nanny always says to me, never turn to tablets. Never ever turn to a, t- a tablet. Like, yeah, there's always a way. She never told me to go and run and walk. There's always a way out of it. And I found my way. I found the way to get out of there. And that was by running. And I'll keep on doing it if I have to. Now, don't get me wrong now, the weight falls on me. So you try to keep putting the weight back on. But I'll keep doing it. And I'll keep improving to my kids that I am stronger than I've ever been. So you did the 5K and the So then how did you go on with your marathon? Well, the next day was I was I was exhausted, and I won't lie, I was really tired, and I was like, "No, there's no way I'm going to get up in the morning and do this." So we said to me, "Masters," because we were meeting in heavy at flats up the road, so 
Dus mij, Rosie en James, stuk hem in het bed. Zij zo in nou sleep. Dan word je even doen, maar met anxiety. How long is the marathon? How far? What's the um, well, I said I, I'll do the marathon for five and a half to six hours. Because that's, I, I never push myself at times. It was just to cover the distance to say that I've done it. And, and what that, is the distance of a marathon? 42.2 kilometers. Okay. So it was the long. And you've never done that before? Never. That okay. was the first time. So that morning we got up, I got up at about quarter to five and... James like you better eat breakfast I never eat breakfast so I was forcing it I think I took one bite of a wee bit I was like I can't eat it so I went up to the flats and the lads were putting all the stuff together and Dwayne and things were up swinging out the pallets putting up the banners and stuff it was deadly looking they want to see the flats just blue and orange everywhere you look so it got me in the humour you know um, and blue and orange is the colour if it's the fine if, if the NSC running club and fine if it's it's mad like you know, so such a connection. It's mad, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so we are starting off and there's a fella, if, if a man that I was running with, Ruth and James was cycling beside us, that mm. was to carry the waters. And there was my friend Anto as well. He he had offered to, so he said like, come here, I'm doing the marathon as well. If you want me to run with you. Now he's a great runner. He's, mm. He'd do that marathon within well quicker than I would. And I was like, oh God, like it's okay. You don't have to like wait on me. I'll just go myself like it's fine no I never met the man before mm. but he was in the club and this is where the kindness comes in from people everyone's there to support each other so his friend Elaine as well she was running she's great she ran marathons before and he said no like we're going with you and we're going to get you through it and so I remember we went we, we are running I think out by the coast that was like 14k when we got to the the, the Holt and then coming back on the the coast road it just hit me it was like I was like I'm not I can't I just can't do it I just felt like everywhere was just giving up on me I was like no I'm just not good enough for this I'm not can't there's no way I'm going to reach 42k and I remember saying it and I was like no you are you're doing it you're doing it there was no negative at all of anybody just like, no, you're doing this. So there was a, we met, there was people out doing the half marathon. So whichever way they cut through, we got to see them. And when I seen them, some from, some from the club, it was great that there was more people running. So we dro- dro- left them at the strands because they had a different route to us. And we still had a long, long way to go. Like, and I was like, I can't do it. So we went past several places and my cousin Lisa was out at the door fair play nine o'clock in the morning. It was Sunday to get Lisa out of bed. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, people actually love me. Like, And it was great home. I saw my zoo and they were clapping, giving us water, bananas and stuff. And it was after I seen Lisa, I got very emotional. I started crying and I was like, like why? In my heart, I was like, no, I, I can, I can do it. But then I was like, no, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to finish. And I kept saying my knee was sore, my hip was sore, this was sore, nothing was sore. I just wanted them to say, right, just give up. And then like, if I had to give up, that was, ah, I knew. And I kept saying to myself, my two kids are at the finish line waiting on me to come. But I, every time I thought about the distance I had left, it was pulling me back. Do you know, I kept, I was like, no, there's no way I'm going to be able mentally. So I pushed through and I kept throwing salts, tablets or something in my mouth and bananas and water <laughs> and this, that. I don't know what I was eating, jelly beans and all the lane was giving me. And they were having the banter, the music was on and they were having the crack. And I remember saying on the case, we ended up coming up with the case and I knew we were on the stretch home. We had to run from the, the 
convention centre all the way up to the Phoenix Park you know the White House mm. and then come back down to the flat so I knew that whole long road but it was a stretch but I was on my way home I was coming home I'm coming home with these kids <laughs> that's mm. all I kept saying <laughs> so I remember getting on the keys and Dwayne said to me before we left the flats you're going to hit a wall at 42k and I'm like to them what wall is it like I didn't see a wall mm. <laughs> I got mm. to I saw the room and trust me, I hit that wall hard because it's like you just don't want to move. You don't want your legs to move. It's like you're paralyzed <coughs> and mentally as well. You're just not, you're giving up. So thank God for them. I, I remember saying I had my phone and I always carry my nanny in the back of my phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, James, where's my nanny? Where is she? Where's my nanny? Like, you're just gone. Your mind has gone completely blank. Like, and he's like, your nanny's not here. She is here. I was like, my nanny's with me. And I remember just saying to myself, please, nanny, I beg you. I beg you just to get me to the, up, just to get me to the Phoenix Park. Eve. Mm. So, and I remember shoving a banana down the back of my throat. <laughs> he's eating and I'm eating with him. Like, he's shoving like, get it, I was like, oh, here. Like, so I got a bit of a boost and the energy started coming back. I was like, right. I can do it. Mm. Like I'm literally going to do this force marathon like for my kids and for me. And I'm so proud of myself running up to Phoenix Park. And then we were coming back down. Like we literally only had 5k left. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And no, Elaine was like, you're doing it. And so was Ruth and James, you're doing it, you're going. So I remember Elaine grabbed me from one hand and Anto grabbed me from, I was like a baby, a baby walking down the road, like running. And they held me. But Anto's watch, we got onto the case before we hit the flat and my watch said 42k. So I've done my marathon. Mm. But Anto's watch was saying 41. Right? And I said, I'm sorry, Anto, but I can't do it. I have mm. to go back to the flats. And then I said to myself, like, that man put yourself out for me, got me up to 42 kilometers and I, how dare me, leave him. So we, I ran, I, I know I mean, this time, I couldn't even feel my hips around. I didn't even think I had legs at the street. And we ran down up Abbey Street. So I actually covered a 43 and a half kilometres. Oh my God. For my first marathon. Now I'd done it in just under five hours. Mm. Now I went back to the flats. There was like, everyone was always gone. Because you had to be back to the flats at two o'clock. And Dwayne's like, go home and rest. And I'm like, oh, panic attack. Because I, I knew they had an award for Rosie on yeah. the day. Like it was unbelievable. But... If I had my way to go home and go to bed, I would have, but I knew I had to get up. I flew down to my man's, had a shower, makeup on, looks massive, going back up to the flats. <laughs> and I'm like, right, I'm going on this session for the day. That's it. Mm. One bottle. <laughs> so like was half because I was mm. like that. But I have to say, I've never, ever been so more proud of myself than I am today. And like Rosie's like, did you enjoy your long run? Because she doesn't understand like a marathon. <laughs> did you enjoy that long run? You were running for ages. Like, and I'm like, Rosie, I don't know before marathon. She's like, ah, yeah, I do marathons as well. Like, <laughs> and then the minute we got across the finish line, um, I remember Carl was standing, Dwayne was at the corner and I remember Rosie, Rosie met us at the corner so she ran across the finish line with us and I'm so emotional. Like the four of us went out together and we came back, to, the three of us went out together running and we came back together with Rosie. And I remember just seeing Carl, it was like a blur and he had the medals in his hands, right? And I'm running towards him. But I was like, there's me medal. Like I ran for that yellow medal. Mm. Like with the, the, the thing. And I ran, I ran up to him, but I held on to him. And he's looking at me. And I'm like, just give me, give me a medal. But Darren Sanders was there as well. And I latched onto him and I literally cried my eyes out. 
But I was just, I was just so happy. I was so happy that I'd done it and I completed it. It was something I wanted to do for a very long time, but always doubted myself that I couldn't, that I wasn't able. There's no way I can go up and do it in Marathon. So now I'm signed up to the Dublin City Marathon and hopefully I can push myself forward in the distance. And I will. And can I ask you as well, um, as a mammy, um, Rosie getting the award for yeah, uh, the, what was it? What, what award did she get? Again? She got um, Inspiration Runner of the Year. What was that like for you? Did so, you know she was getting it? I only found out a couple of days before. See what happened as well. The running, the fundraising by Rosie. Um, we had an account where the money went through. So on the account there was um, over three thousand. The target was a thousand five hundred. And that went over the target so then we put the 3,000 and she hit over the 3,000 and then the lads from the inner city running club the whole club got involved and raised 1,220 euro so they were giving out a bit of check on the day and then Dwayne had to, said to me come here Rose is getting an award and I was like oh god like an award like, like they didn't have to do that you know and they always recognise her it's just they literally break my heart I have to say and I put it out there like thanks so much like to each and every single person out there that has helped her and helped me to get me to me to where I am today like the best thing I done was join that running club and people don't like people say but you ran already but that wasn't the fact I used to run on my own I was a real loner I've made so many friends throughout the, the running club too and it's unbelievable it's, they gave me so much confidence so much strength like there's a lot of them out there that didn't believe in themselves and they're out smashing they're actually out tonight doing 25 kilometres for the first time because they're doing the wrong marathon and every single one of them is well able they're well able if I can do it Rosie can do it anyone can do it all I have to do is believe in yourself and on that note Jennifer we leave it there thank you so much for sitting down with me um, and you said that like you know you're so proud of Rosie but you should be so proud of yourself because if you look at the woman the girl that you were at 19 years of age drinking on the canal to the woman sitting here in yeah. front of me you should be very proud thanks very much Rebecca planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.